0: See, they feel sorry for me.
1: <laughs> That's because they don't know you yet. No, it's yes.
0: because rocks paid us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, welcome back to Merlissen, a monthly podcast about BBC's Merlin, where we talk about the show, the ships, the fandom, and the characters. I'm Miss Snowfox. And I'm Momotastic. And today we have another episode about six... And joining us to help us enjoy all of the feels and the pretty, we have two amazing guests. And not just any guests, we have finally teamed up with the Girls from Destiny and Chicken podcast. I'm sure that a lot of our listeners have also listened to them. In fact, some of you were the ones that told us about them in the first place (laughs) in our Discord channel. And I went to check them out and I loved their stuff and I decided that we absolutely have to do a collab because it would be a travesty not to and so they're with us here today and we have michelle hello and ruth hello amazing we're so excited to have you guys with us we're
2: so excited to be here thanks so much for having us yes thank you you're so welcome
0: so (laughs) it's news time with alex
2: (laughs) yeah
1: let's hear some news Out of the Auditory is back for another year. It's a podfig challenge open to all fandoms where the task is to record podfig of unusual text formats, such as Tumblr posts, Twitter threads, or other non-traditional prose. Submit your works until March the 27th to participate. The current round of Finish That Fig Merlin ends on March 28th, so this is your last chance to write some more words and finish a fig for that challenge. Something to look forward to, on the 1st of April, the Merthyr Glomfest starts posting. And this last piece of news is not fandom related and is not actually news, but let me just say, in these trying times with the pandemic, stay safe, stay healthy, practice your social distancing and avoid unnecessary errands wherever you can.
0: And that has been it for news. Back to rocks. We have talkbacks for you again, or should I say one talkback. And it, at, like at this point, we really should just call this the Archaeologist D segment because it's <laughs> Diane True. doing the talkbacks every time. You guys, her shoulders are hurting from carrying all of your weight. Get to it. <laughs> so let's just start leaving more comments, please. Poor Diane. But she <laughs> left us a comment on our Witchfinder episode, and this is what she had to say. I couldn't stop laughing at the Zorro costume comment. So true. I swear the costume department in Merlin had a cowboy fixation with Merlin's neckerchief, Arthur's duster coat, and then Iridian's outfit. I was the one that made the comment about the Zorro costume, and it's when Iridian's swearing like, black and the like shirts kind of slightly uh-huh. like yeah. open and the and hat the, the hat and i just looked at it and i was like i'm pretty sure i looked exactly the same in 2013 when i went to mcm for the first time. That <laughs> <laughs> so, was yeah clearly iridian is a cosplayer which explains why he's so extra because you know
2: we all are but
0: yeah costume department in merlin we have a whole ep- like a whole series of episodes on costumes coming up but some of them are just like very they're <laughs> choices. Let's just say they're choices. And we don't kink shame on this
1: podcast, so whatever they <laughs> want to... I mean, we, we kink shame a little bit, but
0: <laughs> not too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we agree. Secondly, she says, I totally agree about Gwen telling Arthur to listen about Gaius and how it didn't make sense. Merlin should have been the one to push Arthur to investigate in the Gaius is gonna burn scene and yeah just basically agreeing with us we just thought it was guy like Gaius is Merlin's father figure and so it didn't seem an appropriate moment to make it um a relationship building exercise for Arthur and Gwen when it should have been a chance for Merlin to stand up about something that was important to him (laughs) is all I'm saying so what do you guys think about that because obviously you were not with us in the Witchfinder episode, so if you want to put your two cents in, you're more than welcome?
2: I think uh, just just generally, the show misses quite a number of opportunities for Merlin to act from his from a place of his own like desires and his own intention like mm-hmm. he's such a he's a character who's so like buffered by kind of the overarching plot generally but I think there's a number of moments where things like that happen where instead of him being the one who gets to stand up and defend Gaius or do whatever it's a kind of it's segued into a a moment for a different character to develop or prove themselves in some way um so I think that's a kind of a problem that the show has just sort of generally and Merlin does end up being a character who's fundamentally plot driven rather than character driven a lot of the time
0: mm, i like that, that was i was kind
2: of stuck on the um, slightly head
3: messy of you guys talking about the witch finder and by the time this episode comes out We will have talked about that episode, but by the time we're recording it, we haven't started season two yet. (laughs) And I also want to give a shout out to Diane, which again will be completely irrelevant at that point, but she's listened to our episodes and started commenting on it, but of course we've been on hiatus,
0: so
3: I haven't actually had a chance to give her a shout
0: out because she's lovely. She's amazing. Um, And Diane finishes up her comment by saying, I also agree with how powerful that last scene between Uther and Gaius was. The dialogue was just so gorgeous. And yeah, I feel like we spent a long time on that scene and rightfully so, because it just blew both of our minds. I think just power and these, and just these two powerhouse actors being able to Mm. really Mm -hmm. go at it, it with their acting in the same scene with no one else there to distract from them and it was very special so
3: yeah yeah it's one of the things about Merlin it's like obviously we all love Arthur and Merlin but I do always think that Gaius and Uther just didn't get enough scenes and enough actual background and plot because they're astonishing in these together and they're just just wonderful
0: So guys, if you would like to hear us talk about your lovely comments and all of your thoughts on episodes past, then you need to leave comments at our website. And that is melissa.paracaproductions.com. That is where we will be reacting to your comments, not through any other channel. So go and leave them there. But we have loads of other social media. So if you want to leave us a comment and just have us reply through that particular medium, You've got a whole list of places where you can do that, where we're on Tumblr, at Melissen, and you can reach out through all of the usual channels on there and we'll get back to you. Twitter, same goes for that. We are Melissa and we will respond to you via Twitter. If you want to live tweet through the episodes or just get in touch with us, we will reply. You can email us and I have the email written in front of me so I can say it. <laughs> it's <laughs> Melissa.com podcast at gmail.com and alex will reply to you with a lovely email back beautifully worded we are also you don't know that i mean <laughs> i don't but i hope that it would be beautifully worded i mean yes it would be but i'm saying you don't know that i have faith okay yeah i appreciate that thank oh, you oh you're very welcome And we are also on iTunes where we have faith that you will go and leave stars and reviews and all of the lovely things that make us happy. So go and listen to us on there if you prefer that over listening through the website itself. Of course, we have our Discord server where everyone who wants to come join is happy to join. You don't, you know, you don't even have to have been a guest or anything. If you just want to talk about Merlin, it's a Merlin related server. So come and join and talk about episodes or anything else that you want to talk about. Invite link will be through our social media or just ask us. We have got our Melissa and Bingo that you can play along with now. We are very predictable on this podcast. We repeat ourselves to a disgusting. Um degree so we've made a bingo for you guys to feel slightly less bored every time you hear me go on about Uther or every time you hear Alex go on about Mordred so you can take those I off I haven't on. gone on about Mordred in quite a while that is true so you might have to, that might be like a lucky bingo square if you get that one now <laughs> there you go um, and last but not least if you would like to give us some sweet kofi then we are also on there kofi Co- if you would like to financially support the podcast, which of course will always remain free to everyone that ever wants to listen for as long as we are recording, then you are able to do that through Ko-Fi. It is a one-time only form of tipping slash payment, unlike uh, places like patreon where you have to have a monthly subscription so if you've ever listened to our podcast and you've wondered i wonder where i can support it or show a bit of extra love that is a place where you can do it if you so wish and you'll be able to find the link of, uh to that through all of our usual channels or just ask one of us we'll happily give you the link and there we are so many places on the internet so you have no excuse to not talk to us we want to talk <laughs> to you please so yeah there we go Ah, that's always such a mouthful that part. Every single that time. That was time. very smooth. I'm thank- very impressed. Oh, thank you very much. Mm. It's, it's it's been a long two and a half years of getting so, that. <laughs> the list used to be like half as long.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we just keep kept on adding things. Yeah, I
0: know. Like mm. ten items or something ridiculous like that. Mm. Um. Now we're moving slowly but surely into the episode proper, and we have one of my favourite segments, which is fandom history. <laughs> <laughs> and we want to, Ruth and Michelle to tell us all about how they got into Merlin, what it is that they do in fandom. Uh, I mean, obviously, we know particularly what they do in fandom, but if there's anything <laughs> else that they do in fandom, how they came to the show. And I guess anything else they want to tell us about themselves. So whoever wants to go first, go ahead. Dum, dum, dum. I think
3: actually Rufus should probably go first because you got into Merlin before me.
2: Yeah, by like two weeks. So um, <laughs> I've been dis- I've been watching Merlin since since the very first episode aired originally on the BBC. Um, it was a show that I started watching with my family. It was kind of that sort of tea time slot that was traditionally where we watched television together. There's a whole bunch yep. of shows that we watched yep. in that in that tea time slot, and um, I was. 18 I think at the time and kind of just at that stage where I was like not spending so much time with my parents in my house and it was a kind of this is where you will come you will watch this thing with your parents we will have dinner we will see you we will make sure you're still alive before you go out into the world again um so that was kind of where I came to Merlin and Michelle moved from Switzerland to London pretty much at that same point and started watching with us um so so that's that's kind of how we came to Merlin generally. How I came to fandom is a little bit more of a delayed story. I was... Um, I, I'd been in fandom for donkey's years. I first got into fandom when I was about 11 or 12 and was a proper Potterhead in my um, misspent youth. But um, Merlin fandom it took a while for me to kind of work out where it was, which sounds really <laughs> stupid now, but just kind of... Somehow I missed the communities and I couldn't seem to. So it took me a couple of years to work out kind of where where Merlin lived on the Internet.
3: Yeah, I, d- I don't know what we were doing at the time. we <laughs> just couldn't find it.
2: Failed at Googling.
3: Um. I think also we were still hugely in band fandom. Yeah. So when I moved to the UK, I basically moved because I'd been coming to London to see bands. And it got to a point where I was coming to London eight, ten times a year. And it just got ridiculous. And then me and Ruth met at a gig in Paris in February 2008. And by August that same year, I'd quit my job and I moved to London to live with her. And... We still very much continued going on tour, seeing bands, going to concerts. Mm. So I think it's also we're just kind of stuck in yeah. the band thing.
2: And I think my my heart and my brain really only has time for one serious hardcore fandom at a time. Mm. Like once I've done the fandom thing, I can like dip back in. But as far as a new thing is concerned, I'm really only prepared to do one at a time because, you know, I'm a little bit all in about these things. I completely (laughs) relate to you on that. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, my God. And sometimes when I like there used to be a time like and now I'm moving back into that phase of my life. But when I started Merlin, like like around season four, I got into the Glee fandom. So I had two on the go, Mm -hmm. two intense fandoms on the go, by the way. And it was actually pretty manageable. But what ended up happening was that like when I kind of had more than that what I and I think I said this to you Alex when we first met at coin a lot I was like I feel as though like I can only like there'll be like whole weeks where I will be all in in one fandom I cannot think like I can't think about more than one fandom at a time like I this week I am reading thick about this fandom and this and I'm watching this and doing this I can't be thinking about like Harry Potter and glee at the same time like yeah. it just doesn't work in my brain yeah. and it's so interesting how we have to compartmentalize the parts <laughs> of our brain for each random like i need to be happy i want glee i want to be depressed <laughs> i need Attack on titan so it's kind of nice like, like that but i love that you're the same that's so interesting well i've also always had it with fic as well i i don't know
3: everyone does it differently but when i read fic i kind of i don't picture either, like, the book characters like I imagine them or the TV or movie characters like I've seen them, they kind of become sort of cartoony in my brain and very sketched in, and I've literally gone from reading Buffy, like, in the Buffy fandom, Xander and Spike, to Potter fandom, Harry and Draco, to, like, Shadowhunters, Alec and Jace, and it's like, they're all dark-haired and blonde, and then (laughs) London and Arthur, so... They also really, really blend in my head. Yeah, they all look
1: the same by the end of the day. Yeah, (laughs) just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Harry has a scar and that's about
3: it. (laughs) That's super useful. The glasses, that's great. Other than that, no clue.
1: (laughs) Marlon has the ears. Oh, bless him.
3: Oh God, I shouldn't have brought them up. That's on me, that's on
1: me.
0: Love the
2: ears. So does Arthur. (laughs) nice
0: sorry it's still (laughs) early you're not sorry don't pretend i'm just warming up okay yeah so um so you guys so what did you kind of start with like once you found your place in fandom you know what did you start off with because i think most of us kind of start off as lurkers and then we find our place where we want to go so I started writing fic fairly soon and then stopped forever (laughs) but like I was writing and then vidding so that was my thing Mm -hmm. so like did you and obviously you guys have only just started the podcast very recently so what have you been Mm, doing what have you been doing in that time I mean for me Merlin has
2: always been a fandom that I felt a little bit guilty about up until this point because I've never really contributed anything. <laughs> massively, massively consumed. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, when I started, I'd, I'd literally just started a creative writing degree and kind of that managed to kill my fic writing tendencies, pretty much whole cloth at the time. It was kind oh. of, I, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't kind of academically do the creative writing thing and do it for fun at the same time. It really sort of screwed with my head. Yes. Um, so I kind of wasn't writing anything whilst I was at university. And that was pretty much the most intense period of like getting into the Merlin fandom is was was for me. So I never, I've I've written a couple of little ficlets and sort of drabbly things, but I've never really written for for Merlin. And this podcast is sort of the first time that I've, I've been kind of actively contributing in the fandom. Mm.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of it's quite interesting as well. Like for me, this sort of the same because. I was doing, like, back in, you know, Buffy days, Harry Potter days, all of that, I was writing fic, I was betaing, I was doing icons and wallpapers and art and all of that. And then going kind of more into the Lord of the Rings and then the band fandom, I was doing so much of actually, like, managing communities mm-hmm. and moderating, and I was running several news websites and things like that about the various bands that we followed, which took up so much of my time. So kind of I did very much just join the Merlin fandom in a, I'm really happy
0: to just be entertained by this <laughs> yeah, and do not have to work for it. <laughs> yeah. It sounds yeah. like you had a lot on your plate. So yeah, that yeah. like I can completely understand that. And, and to be honestly, said, that's
1: that's completely yeah. valid because yeah. not everyone who is in fandom has to like contribute to fandom yeah. in a meaningful way. Like yeah. fandom needs the consumers just as much as the creators because oh yeah
3: absolutely you
1: know. yeah if everyone like, only creates we don't have time to consume so we do need yeah, the people yeah. who literally exactly. just sit there and wait for the fake to come out so they can read it yeah um,
3: absolutely absolutely and yeah actually want to read the fake, want to see the artwork yeah. want to you know feedback on stuff and meta about stuff and just literally keep the community going by yeah. just talking about things
2: but yeah for Merlin, it was it was different because we started living together so Because we were flatmates as well as anything else, Mm. like I'd always got into fandom initially because I wanted to talk to other people about the thing that I was fandoming. You know, it's like I wanted people to talk to about it. And because like I had another fandom person living in the same flat as me, I didn't really need in the same way to go to like the internet and go to communities in order to have those conversations because we could have them in our living room. So I think that did, like, obviously it was great. And, you know, we've been, you know, housemates for 10 years and that's all lovely and awesome. But um, it it did kind of, I think, truncate my engagement with the the online conversation in a way that's quite interesting in retrospect.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting because when I first got into the Merlin fandom, I had a real life person that I could speak to about it and it was really intense. But at the same time, it was sort of a different kind of intense because Mm. that person was into Merlin with me at the same time. But first of all, we shipped different things. I actually, like, because Merlin was my first fandom, I should also underline that. I mean, they know it, but maybe you guys don't know it. But um, <laughs> so Merlin was my first fandom. So I was learning everything new, brand new. Yeah. I, I, I've said it several times on the podcast, but I had never heard of Slash Pairing before. I didn't understand what it was to <laughs> ship stuff that wasn't real, like, in the actual show. I didn't understand yeah. subtext. I was looking for fan fiction for stuff that I enjoyed, which at the time was my Fluffy Merlin and Gwen unrequited love stuff where there was nothing yeah. to be found. And then I was like, who are people writing fic about then? And then <laughs> some very, very interesting things which for a young Catholic schoolgirl like me was very scary. <laughs> like, <laughs> this? Very, very scary. But you know, I learned to deal with it eventually, clearly, <laughs> and you know, um, but I feel like I was very much learning about fandom from scratch. And so I was kind of teaching my other fandom person about it also being like, oh, no, people are doing this. People are doing that. Let's yeah. go to these conventions. And so, you know, she would like she didn't believe me that people shipped murder. I was like, no, listen, people are actually <laughs> really doing this couple online. Like people write about it. And, you know, I like I don't know if I'm ready for that yet, but it's really interesting. And so mm. I was kind of doing that. But I kind of found the people I ended up forming a really strong bond with online were was the shipping part of the fandom, which is I feel like now I completely just accept that I need shipping to engage with a fandom. Like if I don't have something, like there's just nothing in it for me if I can't engage in shipping. It's what I find the most fun. And I do treat it like fun. It's the mm-hmm. most fun. And so um, if if I can get into a show that's really psychological and really intelligent, like, great, 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 if there's no ship, I'm going to fall off the bandwagon in, like, a couple of months. Like, I need something to read about and to, like, watch vids about. And that's where I think I got the online community from because – It's really fun talking about it one-on-one. It becomes a party when you've got, like, hundreds of people. Which is probably why me and Alex started this podcast, isn't it? Because we were like, well, it's all very well for us to talk on Skype, but what if we could torture other people? (laughs) What if we forced other people to listen to our shit? So that kind of was where that came from. But what was your – what was the reasoning behind – choosing to make destiny and chicken then to kind of like bring it back to present day with your guys's fandom history
2: i mean part of it was it was just practical is that we had been doing um the descent is easy our shadow hunters podcast um and the show was kind of winding down and coming to an end and we really enjoyed the podcast we really enjoyed podcasting and we we built up this really like lovely community of people who were like listening to us and were sort of going what are you going to do next and and like we want to listen to more stuff and that's like obviously incredibly flattering but it did mean that we had to have something new to talk about and, and something regular and something regular something that we could do week by week in the same in the same way we'd done The Descent is Easy. And we'd both just been really, really clear that if there was another show that we were going to podcast about, it was going to be Merlin. Um, I think the only other thing that we've ever kind of considered is um, Buffy, because we're both huge Buffy fans. But quite frankly, there are a bazillion Buffy podcasts, some of which are really, awesome. But none like yours, none. (laughs) (laughs) And really exhaustive. So it kind of felt like uh, more like well-trod waters, whereas Merlin... It, there's fewer, you know, it, it felt like more like we could forge our own space and do our own thing and not be kind of either doubling anybody else's stuff or treading on anyone else's toes, you know, that kind of that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, it's
1: yours and our podcast are the only active Merlin podcast. And I right. think there used to be maybe one or two back in the day. But as far Your... as I'm aware, they never finished.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for telling us about your really interesting fandom history and i love that you guys kind of like have been living together all this time and you like bonded over merlin that's just really cool and really interesting and yeah again it's just kind of amazing that you get to record in the same space <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of fandom and merlin fandom and contributing or well not contributing to the fandom we're going to talk about another fic category so let's let me just remind myself of the ones we've done now because we've done several so we've done Modern AU, canon, reincarnation, c- crossovers and fusions, and this is our fifth category. Is that right, Alex? I believe so. Yes. Right. So this is our fifth category: epic fix. Now, this is the section that we always think will be easy, Alex. <laughs> <ain't. laughs> so let's talk about the definition of the word epic fix. Alex, why don't you start us off because you always manage to make it as controversial as humanly possible. I don't even mean to. I'm just saying what I think. I can't you, help you it. You're so
1: controversial, clearly. No, you're you're just always disagreeing with me. You should stop that. Keep the fire alive somehow. Okay. So, the thing is with epic figs, like every, when we say epic figs, everyone thinks of ooh, a really long fig. But, to be fair, what's really long for one person is probably not long enough for another person. And there is no real set definition for epic fix. In my mind, it's always been fakes that... Or a, a continuous series of stories that add up to a, a whole plot that's over a hundred thousand words long. And I did look on fan lore. Like, Fandor has an article on classification of fic lengths, like drabbles and one-shots and all kinds of things. But epic fic has not yet received a definition on there, which I find Easy. very sad. <laughs> find it very <laughs> sad. But yeah, that's, so that's my understanding of it. An epic fic is a, a single fic or a series of stories that belong together that's over 100,000 words long.
0: Yeah, I would definitely
2: agree. <gasps> no! <laughs> yeah.
0: I guess the only thing that kind of makes it frustrating, though, is if you've written something that happens to be, like, 90,000 words long, like, that's no longer an epic thing. No, you know it's not. Like, it's kind of like... like it's just, just add an epilogue. It's fine. <laughs> It's still super long. Like it's just yeah. fine. Like just put in
1: another sex scene and an epilogue, and you're golden. Yeah. You're there.
0: Yeah. Ten thousand words is just enough for it for a coffee scene. Absolutely. Like that's <laughs> that is that that is the perfect length. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's that's some stamina. Listen, I like my buildup, okay? Like, I need to know how much pain they've been through, and whether they've had an argument, and like, what they had for breakfast that day, and what's going on, like, in their heads. And then, a
1: 90k fake, you already know all of that.
0: Yeah, but I then would I hope
1: so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but unless then it's a really like... bad fake, which give doesn't give you any of the vital information that you need for your soul. <laughs> And then I'm wondering, what the fuck were they (laughs) doing for 90k? You know, it's... uh, I
2: don't know. I think there's something else to consider, though, maybe, which is that, obviously, as far as fandom is concerned, we use epic to mean really long. But as far as, like, the more traditional, like, understanding of an epic story is concerned, that means something that's got, like, big world questy, adventure story type Mm -hmm. stuff in it, right? So, like particularly for the merlin fandom obviously there's tons of big questy mm. world saving good versus evil we're going on this journey to do this thing and some of those fics are only like 20,000 words but it's still a re- relatively like epic story even if it's not an epic fic in the length sense you know what i mean yeah i totally
1: know what you mean thank you for bringing in that perspective cuz i this- interesting think it's
3: like rove Ruth- basically got together like she just went through her bookmarks and sorted them into the longest email I've ever received. Um, which, will I mean, there's kind of quite a lot in regards to how Ruth reads and how I read, really. it's I've, I'm kind of terrified of epic fics, to be honest. <laughs> there's a surprising number of fics on this list that I have read, and they're kind of on the 50k and upwards mark. Well, it it just kind of made me realise that there's, like, the epically long fix that are, because the plot just requires it to be that epically long. Yeah. Like, there is no way to get all of this plot into a story that is less than 80,000 words. It's just not happening. Mm -hmm. And then there's the kind of epically long fix where the actual plot is, like, 40,000 words, and then it's got... 17 additional little stories that are flashbacks and flash forwards and scenes from other people's um, point of view and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then it's just the stories that are 100,000
2: words long,
0: but absolutely nothing <laughs> happens. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> they get married, they have jobs,
2: they wake up in the morning, yeah, they go to bed. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> and actually, I just took the liberty while you guys were talking to look up the definition of an epic. Yeah. An uh-huh. epic. And it says, a film, poem, or book that is long and contains a lot of action, usually dealing with a historical subject.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, I suppose, you know, a lot of films that came out in the 50s that were of the swords and sandals genre were yeah. automatically considered epics. I guess the, uh, the idea of a modern epic might be something like Gladiator, like Titanic, those i think could probably fit but i mean we had this whole conversation in my um film history module when i was doing my masters we were focusing on the screwball genre and the uh, da, 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 what the other uh, the melodrama genre
2: mm-hmm. going
0: through Going through the decades, and we got to – I don't even remember why we're talking about epics, but I actually made the argument that I thought epic was a dead genre, which I kind of do. I do think that it's a dead genre, and it might come back at some point, but it is outdated. We don't make epics anymore because the idea of an epic, I think, was something that when they were being made was so difficult to achieve because of the scale and because of the um, kind of – quantity of you know sets and costumes and this huge kind of swelling meaning of the story but now we do those all the time because superheroes are Mm -hmm. a normal genre that we see all of the time and fantasy fantasy is so popular now like you know lord of the rings like you know we don't call that an epic but i guess had it been made 60 years ago we might have called it an epic so I suppose if you're talking about the classical definition of it, something like an epic poem, yeah, 100K of domestic fluff doesn't really cover it, does right. it? <laughs> right. I mean, and when it's I glorious. Think of, yeah. Oh. When I think of epic fix, I definitely feel like, regardless of the length, I do need something of value to be happening. Like, I need something. Mm-hmm. And, like, for example, I this is probably why I forgot um, – alex student prince could be considered an epic fic because of its length because actually yeah it is quite a dramatic story in a way because you've got the whole unre- like is it unrequited love is it this is it that and it's obviously a fandom classic and it's got the whole reincarnation thing going for it that it's based off of their previous lives but at the same time nothing much happens in terms of action really does it Apart oh come on no,
3: oh, I mean like God,
0: in no, I mean like in terms of battles. No, I mean like battles and stuff. Like there's no, yeah. there's no yeah. battles. Like you know, all of the plot points that happen in are plot points that we've already seen from season one, or mostly yeah. from season one. And also, I feel like because it's set in the modern day, like again, I feel like the idea of epic sometimes. And this is just my bias, because I think we all probably have a similar bias that, like, in that definition, you feel like it needs to be historic. Like, you feel like it needs Mm -hmm. to feel epic Mm -hmm. because they're wearing costumes and swinging swords. Mm -hmm. When, yeah, I guess the question is, is that the case? Does it need to be that to be an Mm -hmm. epic?
1: What we also might might want to consider is um, how epic is also just used to describe something that's, like really 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 awesome like people will yeah. say oh man mm-hmm. that's epic When or when it's just yeah. something sort of iconic or something that's really cool or anything and because epic as a description has been used so excessively it's kind of also lost its meaning a little bit So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so now something has to be seriously seriously epic to be even considered epic yeah what I also find interesting is to think about um if if we're going with what you said, Rox, that an epic is sort of um historical or in a in a fantasy setting, maybe, how does that translate to Merlin Canonfic? Because that's already historical.
0: Exactly. And so I suppose it's a lot more it's easier for me, I guess, to consider Even if the fic itself, it feels a bit more domestic than action-y, even if it's canon-compliant, it already feels a bit more epic to me because that Mm. time period, like, it gives it, like, a flavor that's just different. Like, it's so different from our regular lives. It Like, it has that added edge of romance and mystery and, like, different... Like, like there's something that's foreign about it because it's not our life, which is partly why I love canon compliant fics anyway. But uh-huh. it's it, I think that's probably part of what makes me like what the like the second I thought of an epic fic, even though I've not even finished the series, I thought of Falconry simply by the nature of the fact that it's set in canon complete, and there is action and drama and like all like all that stuff is happening but I didn't think of like the cycle of the year for example even mm. though I would consider it like now that I've thought more about it I'm like, no, no 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 like I do consider it epic but I didn't think of it first because it's modern even though it's reincarnation <laughs> so mm. it's, it's like it's like strange how we have our own biases isn't it that we kind of think about that
3: I think the modern and the reincarnation is actually a really interesting aspect to this because you know, obviously you've brought up Student Prince and I think Student Prince has got one of those weird elements where for most of it it is just fluff and then suddenly right at the end you've got the whole I'm assuming we can get spoilers. Yeah yes yeah, spoilers that. that's <laughs> ten years old. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got the whole thing where, you know, super secret agents guns are being pulled on people and that kind of comes out of nowhere. And suddenly that makes it, like, this big dramatic thing that up to that point it wasn't. Mm. Whereas you've got something like um, Men for All Season, which is set in World War Two, and I think just the World War II setting is enough to kind of give it that epic feel. Yeah. Even though it's modern AU,
2: mm. it is still far enough back in time to, I guess, now. But surely there's something about, like, just the epic nature of the setting, like, One of the things about Merlin as a vehicle for, like a jumping off platform for stories, surely, is that the Merlin story, the story told over the five seasons of the TV show, is relatively epic. You know, that you've got all of these people who are literally battling against monsters. They've got swords. They've got, like, there's big wars. There's fire things. There's people with magic and, you know, good versus evil and Mm -hmm. the saviour of mankind and all of that stuff. It's all, like, really, like, epic storytelling stuff. So even if you've got something that's, like, Really small scale. This is a story about Merlin and the castle, and, and in a thoroughly like, domestic sense, you're still telling a domestic story in an epic setting kind mm-hmm. of thing. Absolutely. Right? Where And I kind of think the same thing is sort of true for the World War Two thing. Like World War Two is a relatively epic setting for a story. You know, big war, battles, guns, fighter planes heroic soldiery types doing heroic soldiery things that's quite an epic setting so whatever story you're telling within that setting has a kind of edge of
0: epicness Mm -hmm.
2: automatically
0: and we always think differently about the past this is the thing you know you only have to look to the reception that captain marvel got regarding it being set in the 90s and we've discussed this at length in our modern au episode but i think it's also valid here that regardless of what you consider to be a modern setting as the time that we live in moves forward more and more, you know, we already have a different view and feeling about the 90s than we do about 2020. And so the further back you go, the more not only removed it is from our own experiences, even though I would argue that the human experience remains unchanged regardless if you lived in 2000 BC or if you're living in 2020, but I (laughs) think that, the actual day to day and societal experiences are so different that you can feel removed and it feels more epic, but also more romanticized, which I think romanticism plays such a huge role in epicness. Yes. That it has to almost be set in the past. Like, no, it, look, it doesn't have to be set in the past, but I think you need a, a level of unreality for yes. me yes. personally, which is why I think superheroes can be epic and the stories are epic even though they're set in our time but they're not real and that's why we can see them as epic like an amazing love story that's you know kind of uh has all the same beats as a story like I don't know um, I'm trying to think like Romeo and Juliet or Titanic or even something like the time traveler's wife which I'd say is like Mm. fairly epic Mm -hmm. like that's set in the modern day but the fact that it's got that science fiction element to it and it's not quite real and it's different I think gives it that edge that makes it feel more epic it's like more struggle something else like something I can't get in my real life because when it comes down to it I think that real life is rather unremarkable for most people and is the opposite of epic. And so when you have your real life in front of you in narrative form, we can't possibly see it as epic because that's just right. my life. Right. You if need it to be, sense. you need the setting to be elevated in some way, whether
2: that's by taking it into the past or even the future, you know, you get a lot of future, um, yeah, like, like the big um, space stories are mm-hmm. usually epics, right? But, um you need the, the setting to be like elevated beyond what you're familiar with, a sort of hyper reality. So maybe it's about stakes. Yeah, well that too.
0: This got very psychological all of a sudden. <laughs>
3: I really like it. <laughs> We haven't even
1: got past
2: the definition yet. Oh, that's uh, normal.
1: That's normal.
0: Don't worry about it. Don't worry.
1: Okay. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised that we managed to get caught up in the definition part for another 20 minutes. I was I was worried this was going to be over in two minutes. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, uh, I mean, but if anyone feels differently, please feel to um, actually us in the comments. We'll play that. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, so as usual, we've come up with no definition whatsoever. <laughs>
2: Um, no um, meaningful
0: dictionary definition. Okay, I would, I would, I would like to
1: try to summarize what we've um, yeah. discussed here. Um, Be, which,
3: before you summarize, can I throw in another curveball? Yeah. Sure. How how do people feel about there are no gays in football? I've Was not reached
2: yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! What, stop recording now.
0: Go. <laughs> Hang, up. Hey, Hang look, up. is that you? <laughs> Sorry, that's an intro. <laughs> there's a, there's um, Alex's son, uh, not his uh, not real son, his like fake son, uh, is uh-huh. constantly asking me to read There Are No Gays in Football. And he's guested on the podcast many times and bullied me. Um, <laughs> but that, what, really. what what in particular are you asking? Because it's 200k. For me, that would
1: count as an epic.
3: But Absolutely. But it is about as modern AU
1: as I can think of.
0: Hmm, yeah. And Which... as
1: mundane as I can think yeah. of. Yeah. So what I was going to say in my summary is that mm-hmm. um you have two different ways of classifying an epic as we've discussed or or like concluded. One is by sheer word count, which is how fandom in these days tends to classify this. Like I would say that the majority of fandom when they think of epic fix is they would probably think, oh, it's a very long story. Mm-hmm. Yeah mm-hmm. so I would definitely go. One definition for epic fix is fixed there are longer than 100 K. And the other definition is what you guys said is that it's, it's an, a literally epic setting or high stakes or high adventure, a quest, a, mm-hmm. a fantasy setting, something historical that's you know has a major impact on the story. Um the only problem is that the at this second definition is harder to quantify and to put into yeah. like any meaningful numbers you know Yeah the, I don't think we'll manage to fix the dictionary on this one <laughs> <laughs> So I would I, say for the sake of this episode both definitions count however yeah. I will already say that when it gets to the statistics part of it just yeah. I can only focus on the word count because I'm not going That's to fair. read every fucking fake to determine whether it's an epic by the second definition yeah. or not.
0: That's ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> Why not? Why on earth
1: not? <laughs> okay. Fake fan. If you, you want to do that, if, if you want to read, hang on, let me quickly check. If you want to read 30. Thirty-six thousand six hundred ninety-two works in the Merlin fandom on AO3, and give me a detailed analysis of which ones are epics. <laughs> You're honestly be my right. guess, <laughs>
2: a speed reading freak. That, so that sounds like a good weekend to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's but amazing. you
1: have to do it. Before the 15th of March, when this episode airs, <laughs> <laughs> you have to do it before the end of this podcast recording. <laughs> right.
0: Okay. right. Bye, guys. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But it's interesting, like, I'm just going to add one more thing. Like, uh, not that I'm disagreeing with anything you've said, but I think it's super interesting that you meant, uh, and and I haven't read There Are No Gays in Football yet. I will. It is It is on my like to do list for the rest of my life. <laughs> But I feel like... <laughs> I on just...
1: her deathbed, on her deathbed, I will I be asking like... her, Rox, did you read There Are No Gays in Football? No, <laughs> then you cannot die. i like, that I... you're going
0: to live forever. Like,
1: yeah, yeah, over. right? I can never Don't read
0: break. it. But what I was going to say is that, you know, kind of it in terms of the the really long modern AEs, like what I kind of have a problem with sometimes with the epic definition, I mean, I know that we're going by word count, but funnily enough, whenever I see... Um, a fic that doesn't look like it's going to be particularly hard hitting like if the summary doesn't necessarily tell me that the immediate draw in for it is something dramatic or angsty or something like that I always worry that it's mostly filler I don't know if anyone else feels Mm -hmm.
2: like
0: Mm -hmm. 100k like I know about there are no gays in football because I know that people have told me it's about like a sport and someone coming to terms with their sexuality and so I kind of get that but if it had just been like oh i don't know 200k of coffee shop au i'd be a bit skeptical going um is that just gonna be a bunch of like slice of life bullshit that i'm gonna have to read and no actual plot like do you know what i mean i just kind of so i always get a bit skeptical but if you give me 200k of canon compliant i feel a bit more safe that something might happen (laughs) like i don't Mm -hmm. know why but, um, yeah, maybe, I don't know if you guys feel the same, but it sounds by your mm that you do, so I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's totally fair. I think that's very much, yeah, what I
3: was kind of thinking about when I was looking through this list of figures, like some of them are literally just happy, fluffy stories where ultimately nothing happens. And somehow that doesn't make it epic to me. That just makes it really long. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the <laughs> so danger,
0: isn't it? Yeah, that doesn't make it epic to me. That this message is very this, long is also the title of my sex tape. This
1: actually, <laughs> this actually segue is not the title of your sex tape, but, but <laughs> what has been said before actually segues us nicely into the next talking point, which is pros and cons between epic fics and shorter stories.
0: Ooh, happy day! Mm-hmm. That was a beautiful segue. I didn't even think of that um pros and cons well if it's shorter i'm more likely to read it me Roxanne, i'm more likely to read it that's a Same here michelle but i don't like that about myself because i do love long stories and i know i love them but it's a commitment you know it's like You know, and by the way, what I'm about to say is absolutely no reflection on my own personal life tastes. I just would like to point that out before we go any further, because I know there are going to be rumors coming out from this conversation. (laughs) But it's the difference between a long-term relationship or marriage and a one-night stand. Sometimes a one-night stand is just fucking easier. So it's just kind of like... (laughs) It's just (laughs) fucking easier. Compared to a marriage. (laughs) Oh, rocks!
1: You're not getting the joke.
0: I didn't hear what you said. Sorry, what was it?
1: I said the one night stand is fucking easier.
0: Uh, uh, I like <laughs> Bad joke that you can tick that off of your <laughs> Or unintentional <laughs> joke. I don't know if that's the same. But, um, yeah, like, a long fic is a real commitment. And sometimes length like, is not an indicator of quality, and I don't even mean that as a joke. <laughs> it's like you don't always know it's going to be good. And if I've gotten, like, a part of the way through and it's not good, it's I feel like it's too late to back out and then it's just like I don't know what to do with my life anymore. Yeah, I feel like
1: some authors will drag
0: out the story in at Philosene and Philosene
1: and Philosene just to get the word count. Hmm. And I'm just why? I'm I wonder I mean okay. Everyone is allowed to write whatever the fuck they want in whatever the fuck way They want, like, seriously, write what you like. I don't care. But if your story is just literally filler scenes strung together, then you might as well have just made it... I don't know. Then don't... This is is, is just me being salty, probably, but I feel like it should be in a different format rather than present itself as one long, continuous story when actually nothing
0: happens i do have a theory about this if you want to hear it i don't know sure um but i think first okay so there are two strands to this number one a lot of people that write thick don't know that much about writing they just write it because it feels good and because my ship and so that probably comes from that inexperience and just maybe Mm -hmm. not knowing how a story is put together or what a story even is they just want to see their otp then on the other hand you've got people that maybe do know a thing or two about writing but they're doing it on purpose because for them they will have the fix that they enjoy reading and writing that are actually kind of more like novels but there was a a Twitter thread that I will never find again, but I'm sure someone can uh, look for it because it was by the author uh, who wrote Fangirl, fuck Um, uh, Rainbow Rowell. That was it. She's very well known and she's written like a bunch of books and uh, she wrote, uh, she started out in fandom, but she's now a successful author and has many, many books to her name and people really love her. And she talks about um, the, difference between writing a novel and writing a fan fiction she goes you know when you write a novel you have to be aware of every single you know plot point and every single kind of beat and moment and everything has to be propelling the story nothing can be meaningless and everything has to have a place and a purpose which absolutely makes sense it's the same with movies and it's the same with anything and then she goes whereas when you write fan fiction if you want 40k of your otp like slow burning and getting to know each other by the fire you can do that and that's yeah. what it's there for. And so I think that's probably where it comes from, is that, yeah, the really like well-crafted and novel-like fix are amazing, but then there are plenty of people that do just want 200K of their OTP slow-burning and just getting to know each other by the fire. And it's mm-hmm. like, I guess both are valid, and so fanfiction exists so that we can get the stuff we didn't get in canon. And so sometimes the craft gets lost, or it's just left out on purpose. And I guess that's what it's there for. That's my only theory, anyway. Yeah, that's well... Yeah, it. no, I
3: completely agree with that, because I do think it's exactly why people start writing fanfic. is because they're, couples either don't exist in the television show, they're watching the movie, they're watching the book they're reading, or even if they do, books and movies and television shows don't have the time to show you the Sunday morning grocery shopping. Because it doesn't add to the plot, which is why you write a thick about it, where they're just being adorable, choosing pasta. Yeah. And that's what you want, and that's what you want to show. But I also agree with Alex that you kind of, it'd be so much better if you just did that as, like, I don't know, like a series of, you know, and just stayed. It's a series of nonsense, floofy stuff. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And then it can go on forever. But then we all know what we get
2: into. I think the thing about writing a 100 thousand words or more than that of, of just like people doing daily life things is that the writing has to be of a standard that you actually want to spend 200,000 words just in the company of these people yeah mm-hmm. and those people have to be incredibly compelling and incredibly charming and their relationship has to be interesting and the, do- the dialogue has to be sharp and all of that stuff which is actually way harder to do as far as writing prose than than you know inventing a compelling plot and and pinning characters and and activity around that plot, you know, it's yeah. it's way easier to write a story if loads of stuff is happening because it's it's much easier for it to be exciting and compelling and to keep people's attention. Keep people, keep people's yeah, even when the writing if, if isn't that great. Right, exactly. But I'm not going to spend two hundred thousand words with just people going around and you know doing shopping and getting married or not getting married or whatever else unless they're people that I really, really want to spend that time
0: with. I guess then I think about the, like, non fix stuff. And I know that sitcoms do have stuff that happens, like, you know, but at the end of the day, for example, we watch ten seasons of Friends, and yes, there are things happening over time, but you can watch a whole season of Friends, and apart from a relationship ending or not ending, not much else happens, like, but, not but friends. much of significance. you, you watch Friends
1: you watch what friends character. literally for the characters because yeah. they are friends because they get into hilarious situations and have witty dialogue. That's what, yeah. And, so and I, that's, yeah, totally. that's yeah. literally yeah, what Ruth so I'm said. Saying, it's,
0: if, if, yeah. Uh, so I'm agreeing with yeah. you, but I'm saying that like, it's interesting that we're kind of like, Oh, it's kind of weird if that would happen. And obviously like you yeah. said, it has to be really well written, but I guess it's interesting that we kind of are, Seeing him being like oh that would be really weird 200k of just kind of random stuff when we'll watch sitcoms about it or in in the anime world we'll watch like a hundred seasons of of a slice of life where god even knows what the fuck genre that is because i don't know Mm -hmm. but i'll still watch it it's like i don't know what i'm watching i'm just watching people go about their daily lives and it's adorable and i don't know why i keep watching Mm -hmm. but i guess (laughs) yeah i guess what yeah. you're saying is that we're being really quite
3: dismissive of it, which I no, think no, I guess it's, we it's, are. And yeah, it's it's really weird because we shouldn't be, because it is a lot of what we consume in media.
0: Maybe it's different in written form is what I'm saying. Maybe, there is a yeah. so, maybe writing chemistry and creating... Okay, I think this is what it is. This is why I often find that when I'm reading a book, I'm much more likely to accept the canon pairing because I think that you can craft chemistry... In prose, in a way that is a lot more difficult to control when you've got real life people involved, because people will play like you can write a script, but when until you get the actors in there, you have no idea what people are going to react to when they see it on the screen and so that's why we have so many non-canon pairings and stuff popping up because we're like no 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 they don't have chemistry these these guys have chemistry Mm -hmm. and everything changes once you put real people in those situations books i find authors hit the nail on the head most of the time when it comes to ships because they're literally crafting it like you can't really pick up on things that aren't literally shown to you on the page because that's all that you've got so any background moments and moments the author has chosen to put in there anything else like you cannot see what's not there in a way and so I think that when it comes to us watching people interact in these little slice of life tidbits it's maybe a lot easier for us to do it with visual media because people naturally bounce off of each other Mm -hmm. when it comes to books you really or like fic you have to create everything from scratch now granted fan fiction has a has a has an advantage that we already know the characters so hopefully we're already interested in their dynamics but that's where ruth's point comes in where you have to actually make it compelling and interesting, and that is very difficult. But that being said, I mean, oh, God, what's the name of it now? I probably would read 200K of coffee shop muffins if it was mm. 200K. I would read 200K of them being oblivious and getting into hijinks and this girlfriend dumping him and that girlfriend dumping him and them just going around in circles because it's so well written and it's so cute. Yeah. I probably would, like, if they still had the same ending, like, if it didn't just go around in circles and never end, like, with no resolution to the to yeah. the relationship. But I probably would now that I think about it. But if it was good, not if it's right. just not if it's just 200k of filler where everyone's using goddamn epithets and everyone's using like, you know, really bad like tropes and you know, the raven boy and all this kind of <laughs> stuff that drives me insane. Yeah, yeah. I cannot read 200K of the Ravenhaired boy. It just, like, you know, and, yeah, I can't. But if it's good, if it's, like, a coffee shop muffin style thing, I could absolutely read it. Not not all the time, but if it's if it's good, yeah, for sure. But
3: that's kind of the question, though. Would it be good? And I don't think it would.
2: I don't know. I think it could be. I think the right writer could, could do it well. But I do think it's also interesting, just going a little bit back to what you were saying about um Friends Rocks and kind of linking that back to what Alex was saying about wouldn't it be better if, if that 200,000 word thing was like individual vignettes that the stuff we watch that slice of life, like friends, are all divided into little 20 minute episodes that are kind of designed for you to be able to only watch one exactly. of randomly at any point in the story. Yeah. yeah. So in, in that sense, we, we watch that sort of story in exactly the same way as it would be ideal to yeah. read to it in yeah.
1: form.
2: Thank you for yeah, pointing that write. out. Yeah, that's all right. yeah. that's exactly
1: right. And that
0: is very interesting. And
1: one more thing I wanted to say is, um, with things like Friends and anime and all of that, where we where we watch them just go about their daily lives and maybe have a witty dialogue and get into a spot of trouble or anything... And this is my personal reading preference, but when I turn to fic, that's not what I want to read because I get that from the, from mainstream media anyway, if Mm -hmm. if that's what I want, I can just go and watch a sitcom or, or watch a movie or, or an anime or literally anything on television. I turn to fan fiction for something else, for something that mainstream media doesn't give me, Mm. you know? Mm. Yeah.
3: Even yeah, even slightly more for me in on that same point. Really, is that if that's what I want, then it's because I really want to put Netflix on and you know have Friends playing in the background while I tidy my room.
1: Yeah, you can't do that anymore because you can't do that anymore because Friends is not on Netflix anymore.
3: They've taken it away, haven't they? Well, they've kept Merlin though. (laughs) That's almost like Friends. Let's be real. Yeah. As far as trade-offs go, I'd rather have Merlin on Netflix than Friends.
0: But um, what I was going to say about long fix, like, I, I think what it comes down to when it comes to long fix versus short fix is I wish that I, you know, had a, the kind of lifestyle where i could just read fic all the time like i used to when i was a teenager and Mm -hmm. and i really wish that i could read more it's not that i don't want to read more and i always feel like i give this impression of someone that doesn't like reading fic anymore because i never do (laughs) it's like especially Mm -hmm. not merlin fic like i definitely do binge fic of all these like new fandoms i'm getting into because i can't help it but I always feel like whenever I'm like just about to go to bed, like say it's like an hour before bed and I'll like be on my iPad, like every night, like I'll go to bed with my iPad and I'll sit on AO3 if I've got the energy to like keep my eyes open. And I'll just like start putting in all of my um, filters that I want and I'll sort by kudos and like whatever ships I want and like all the different kind of um, relationship tags I'm looking for and plot tags. And then I always just, as soon as I see that the word count is like, above 50k and i know that i can't skim read a lot of it without missing stuff i have to scroll Mm -hmm. past it because i'm like when like when am i going to read fic if not in the middle of the night and so i i really find that i have to stick to the short to medium length fics, and it breaks my heart because i know like there are so many fandom classics like in the fandoms i'm currently getting into that like i know people are talking about and honestly, this is why I just need more podfigs, because it's just one of those things that it's so, like, I can only do reading now, really, through audiobooks. So mm. long fix just kind of take a backbone. I don't know if anyone else can relate. I know Alex reads fic at work, so he can't really relate. But it's like, it's sort <laughs> of, yeah, I wish.
2: It's interesting. I feel kind of like, I feel kind of the opposite. Um, like. I, I do read fast like a freak. I like I read, I read a huge amount really, really, really quickly. And pretty yeah. much I read on the way to work. I read on the way back from work. I'll read during my lunch break. I'll read for like three, four hours in the evening because Michelle goes to bed really early. So all of the television that we watch together, I have to stop watching at about nine o'clock. When does really early? Like I go to bed like a normal human. <laughs> and I'm, a I'm bit not a, a possum. Yeah, I'm a bit of a night out, so, like, I'm not a so, possum. <laughs> so the first thing I'll do when I come into a new fandom is I'm on AO3 and I'm sorting by word count, and I'll literally go through the like the longest things in the fandom to to try and find the find the good stuff. I'm also really brutal with fic, so genu- genuinely, I've got more than about two three paragraphs down and I'm not hooked, you're you're done, you know. I'm
0: actually the same. I am I am really brutal, and it ha and it's more it's not even the plot, it's the writing style sometimes because yeah, no, totally. you can tell when someone is. And I really don't mean this in a bad way. I mean it in the purest definition, dictionary definition of the word, but a lot of it is very amateurish. And I know myself when I try to do a bit of like, like kind of, oh, I'll write a headcanon and this headcanon has turned into like a thousand word headcanon. It could basically be a fic. And I read it back and I'm like, that's really amateurish Roxanne because you've not written for eight years. And so I get it. Like, I'm not judging, but I just don't have time for amateurish fic anymore. And I yeah. want it to be amazing. So, yeah, I get yeah. you. Yeah, but it's also you know it's like
2: whether it's good or bad or indifferent. Some writing styles grab you and some just don't. It's just you know there's a incompatible style thing. So for me, like the longer the better. If I, if there's a story that's like five thousand words, you know five hundred thousand words long, then I know it's going to keep my attention for for more than literally the space of an evening, which mm. is sort of my perpetual my perpetual like journey in fic is trying to find something that will. Actually, keep my brain occupied for more than about 20 minutes at a time yeah. because I read so stupid fast. I mean, and obviously, um, Podfic is really great for that too, and especially because I'm a little bit of a, a chaos reader. So I'll switch from like audiobook to reading to reading a real book to reading it on my Kindle. You know, it's like I'm I'm all over the place. Yeah. So with a Podfic, I can. I can listen to a bit of the Podfic while I'm walking to work. And then when I get home, I can pick it up on the on the iPad and read a bit. And then I'll come, you know, come switch into the Podfic again the next morning. So, yeah,
0: me and Alex are huge fans of Podfic. So we're like yeah. definitely big, yeah, big in favour of that. So I guess what, what other kind of, like, I feel like we've kind of done a good job of like kind of pros and cons, but I guess what are the, Pros, I suppose because we've got, I think we've covered a lot of cons like what kind of are the pros <laughs> of Vlog-X that we can think of? apart from the obvious that they're just a, an amazing ride like you know to go on that ride and like like experience your otp basically in movie form sometimes you know is amazing Yeah, but
1: that's like in my opinion that's the main the main pro that you get to spend so much yeah. time with these characters you get to watch them um have character development progress in their relationships whatever type of relationships they may be
0: i feel like that's the big that's the big pro yeah definitely
3: Hmm. i think another pro is also that obviously when you're writing fake you always try and get as close to the source material as you can because otherwise you don't recognize the characters but Everyone's going to have a slightly different version of these characters that you're writing about and whatever story you've put them in, whatever time of the, you know, time of the world you've put them in, whatever place and whatever country you've got them in. And so I think with every new story you start, you do have to kind of just get used to this version of Merlin and Arthur and Gwen and Morgana and whoever is in it. And if it's a really short story, then you're kind of getting into it only to then finish it and then have to do it again. Whereas, obviously, with something that's epically long, you just kind of get settled with those characters and then you're with this version of the characters for a really long time. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point.
2: I really like long fics for plot. I think one of the beautiful things about having a um, hundred thousand words to play with rather than 10,000 words to play with is you really get into like narrative and story progression and things can happen and you know, you can take characters in unexpected places. And I think you, you need the word count in order to be able to properly do that. And so I think for me, who I, I read primarily for character and then secondarily for, for narrative, for plot, for plot arc. Long fixes is, is really where it's at, and I think it's another thing that really helps me with what I think is what you need in order to combat that that guilt complex thing that you're talking about, Rox. Is that if something's not working for you, you just stop. Because you just dnf not, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if if it's not fun anymore and you've got thirty thousand words in, then I'm not reading another seventy thousand words. Sorry, yeah, not happening. So exactly. you do have to just get a little bit brutal about it, yeah. and you never have to justify that. And I think in some ways that's easier to do with something that's plot-led, because mm. if the plot takes a turn that you're sort of like, well, that's not, no, sorry, yeah, exactly. you know, that's not working, then it's exactly. easier to kind of pull the plug on it than if you have like loads and loads of words that's effectively just relationship or character-focused, where it's like, well, if I've been liking the characters for the first 6,000 words, I'm probably going to
0: continue liking them for the next 60,000 words, so exactly. it's, it feels like an incredible investment, you know? Exactly. For me, my favorite thing about Long Fix is um, definitely, I mean, I love the plot and everything. For me, obviously, I'm reading, uh, if it's, you know, normally an OTP tagged story, then I'm reading for the relationship part, mostly, uh, you know, and not, I mean, yes, of course, I want it to be plotty and stuff. But in that respect, what I love about Long Fix is I am a sucker for building tension and Mm -hmm, i mm -hmm. that is what i need like in a thick and it doesn't eat and i don't even necessarily mean that like i need them to take ages to get together it can be a different kind of tension like um for or like i'm trying to like describe it in the right way and i'm and i'm really failing but like okay okay for example for example um i spoke yesterday when we did fan art Uh, now i'm doing a timey-wimey thing on our listeners because it was not yesterday for them (laughs) But yesterday when we recorded Fan Art off mic, I was uh, talking about this Omegaverse fic that I read in the Haiky fandom. And uh, I really, really enjoyed it. And it was a really long fic. I can't remember how many words, but it was pretty long. And it was basically about this Omega who had a uh, who was a single parent and had a kid. And uh, the, the kid was adorable, and he was five years old. And then the uh, and then the alpha, who is uh, the other half of the OTP in the show, um, meets him. They live in the same apartment building, and he basically thinks he's amazing, and he would like to date him. And that's basically the idea. And like obviously getting to know the kid, and it's the idea of like the new man coming into the kid's life and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the Omega is very weary and definitely is focused in, entirely on his son, wants to be the best dad ever and adores his son. And the kid is really fond of this new person that's trying to like date his dad. And like, he even kind of says, Oh, um, are you two going, uh, Oh, what was it? He, he like makes like a fun comment about them going on a date or something. He's like, why would you think that? He's like, Oh, because he has a crush on my dad. <laughs> and he's like, so obvious that like, he can tell. And like, they get together like about, halfway through the thick but there's like other tensions that can be built because obviously in the omegaverse there are like you know various stages of like a relationship like you can be dating but you might not be like mated or you might not be like at you know kind of at the end stage of your relationship kind of thing where you're actually bonded in that way. And I still don't know much about a megaverse. I'm still kind of like, I don't know what that means. But like, there are various ways in which you can kind of like show your commitment to each other in that way. So the length of that fic was really amazing because not only did it take them ages to get together, like even to go on a date or like hold hands, but then to actually get together and date and like stay over and be a part of each other's lives. But then it took even longer for them to like actually mate for example so it was like but just tension in general for me is like my favorite thing about long thick and i think that it really is what keeps me reading and i need the payoff to be really good as well like i need Mm. the them to be like finally (laughs) finally like whatever we've been waiting for has happened and like all of my favorite fics um they're not even necessarily epic's per se but longer ones have that finally feeling to them whether it's the student prince whether it's two weeks notice whether it's pairing from dragon melon whether it's coffee shop muffins like the end goal for me is always if i'm going yes <laughs> then, <laughs> i want and it's easier to achieve that when you have a longer word count and the author knows what they're doing but that's my yeah. favorite yeah. that 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 to me is my favorite pro is just building tension is so much better and it's amazing
3: no,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Student Prince particularly, like when we're gonna talk about later, like the it's so good. <laughs> like the way that they like the way that it's built is just so amazing and how it's all told from Merlin's POV and he has like no clue that Arthur is feeling the same way and like not even the audience maybe knows because like we don't know at what stage he is of realizing when actually he's known all along and it's just like <laughs> it's so good. Like I love limited POV. Like it really is so it's so good, like when one person doesn't like like when the reader only knows so much information because of like who the story is coming from. And I and I and I love having to be like, Oh no, I feel as awkward as he does because I don't know what's going on. And you know that scene like where they're passing the straws between each other? Like, there's that scene where they've got, like, those... Uh, oh, uh, the ch- little mini-zone things, yes. Yeah, the chocolate... And, like, there's that bit where, like, it's... They don't even talk to each other in that scene. Like, they're literally, I think, kind of sitting side by side, and they keep making eye contact. And he's like, why do we keep making eye contact? And then there's that moment where he says that we were... Like, they were so close, like, that... I, I think they... That he does say that their lips actually did brush. Like, as they like bite the straw off or something like it actually did happen and he's literally like i don't know what to do with this he's thinking and like what does this mean and arthur's just like staring him down and obviously in hindsight you know what he's thinking but at the time you're like is it all in his head like the tension is killing me i know right like just thinking about it makes me want to listen to it again but, um, yeah, so I think I'm proving my point that, like, the length of a fit, like, you can have those moments, like, scattered and you can build them and build them. And then there's the moment when they, like, wrestle in the pub and, like, Merlin's like, what's going on? <laughs> and it's just. <laughs> so, yeah. But, um, I have ranted happily for too long, so uh, I'm, I'm sure Alex wants to move us to the next point very swiftly. I mean, the next point on my
1: agenda would be AO3 stats, but if you guys want, you can talk about, or we can talk about, Um, a specific long fix
0: first. Um, I guess we kind of, yeah,
1: since you already started going in on student prints, why not continue and
0: keep talking about a couple of your favorites or that you want to talk about? Um, well, yeah, I'll just say a couple more things about this one, like apart from the kind of tension romantic aspect, but obviously the, uh, it, I would say it's probably, well, It is the most famous fic in this fandom. It just so happens that it's also epic uh, in length. And uh, it's obviously got a fair amount... Like, it's fairly slice-of-lifey, but it has a lot of um, kind of nice lore built up around it in the sense that, you know, you have the whole researched aspect of St. Andrews and the life at St. Andrews that I know nothing about because I am, you know, scum of the earth and would never set foot in St. Andrews in my entire life. (laughs) But it's like, you know, the way that things work there. And like, as a reader, you really feel as though it's a lived in world, even though it's kind of very much um, a slice of life kind of story for the most part. And that's what I love about this kind of length as well is that you really can go into the details like you feel as though the author knows what they're talking about you know you've got the whole academic mum and dad situation Mm. you've got the different halls and all of the different um nicknames that they have you've got the different places that they go to meet and the beach and and all this kind of stuff and then just the general law of the way that magic works in this world and that it's not just Merlin that has magic other people do too and it's a secret but a known secret and that also happens you know and I think that that is something that you can really play with in a fic that's meant to be like novel length is you have that lived-in feeling, and I think The Student Prince does that really well. It's not the only one that does it, but that's like seeing as we were talking about The Student Prince. I thought... Yeah, I, really yeah. A... I have yeah, a... Well, I think The Student... Sorry. Think... <laughs> Please go ahead, since you're
1: talking about Student Prince. Go ahead.
3: Um, yeah, I just think The Student Prince is something else in regards to being epically long as well, which is about the fact that it runs along the academic year. Yeah, and it just gives you kind of this base structure that, as a reader, obviously you've got the word count. Then it's something about thick that you don't necessarily do with books so much. But you know, when you're kind of switching chapters in Ao3, or when you're looking at the word count in if you've got it copied into a word document, and you're kind of aware how much more you've got to go and how much you've already read. But if you actually have the actual plot structured alongside something that you understand. I think that really helps with something being epically long as well in the Student Prince's case of course, the academic year.
0: Exactly, absolutely. What were you going to say Alex? Uh,
1: My question was, uh, jumping off of something you said earlier Rox um, that Student Prince is just epically long but it's also one of the most famous fakes in this fandom. It just made me wonder how much like, how big of a correlation there is between these two factors, like um, are longer fics the, like, more prone to becoming fandom classics, or
0: yeah.
2: like, is there mm, yeah. is there actually correlation there? I think so. Yeah, massively, massively so. Well, I think that it, it's fandom gold, isn't it? It's the thick gold. If you get something that's really good and really long, then that is just, like, the pinnacle of, of achievement, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly yeah and and it's like you have to read this one because it's really long and it's also awesome you know it's and yeah. kind if of, you will so enjoy this and you'll enjoy it for a hundred thousand whole words yeah because you have to be better right because i think that's mm-hmm. the other thing about long fix is that you have to sort of justify taking like a week of somebody's time rather than just half an hour that's and, entirely true yeah and like in order to do that you have to be you have to be better you have to be better to hold people's attention for 100,000 words than you do for 10 it's just just the way it is yeah yeah so i think if you get something that is good and is long it tends to be the best it tends to be the best writing you get in a fandom i think by and large
0: yeah and also the thing about long fics that i th- oh, sorry f- fandom classics that i think people forget is a fandom classic is essentially a fandom for a fic and so yeah. you i mean it's hard to get a fandom around Mm. something that's short and has little content because you don't have much to talk about. Like you need, you need uh, something to light the fire. And so you need like stuff like, and, and something for people to follow. I mean, a long fic that's good and long and a WIP, that is going to be fandom gold. Like, Mm -hmm, like if it ever mm -hmm. gets finished because people are there every week, it's like your own personal TV show running within the Merlin fandom. And so, I mean, I remember as well from glee fandom like we would have like wips that were literally uh got trending worldwide on twitter like so it was kind of one of those situations where it was pure magic and i think that it is down to the more content you have the more likely you are to build a following around it. and again obviously updating it in stormers definitely helps but it's not for everyone and i know some people don't like it and that's completely fine but i completely think that I mean, I can't think of a single fandom classic that isn't long. Like, or at least, like, th- there will be fandom classics on a list of wrecks that are shorter, but, like, the ones that you say, if someone gets into fandom for the first time, go read these. Like, they're all long. Like, they're all in the double digits, at least, you know? Like,
3: yeah. yeah. I think you get shorter stuff that's going to be on multiple rec lists, and you're gonna you know, you're reading through a wreck You're like, oh, I keep seeing this thing, and there is shorter stuff. But I think you're absolutely right, Roxy, in regards to like things that is uh, thick, that is updated as it goes, it just means that people are talking about it. It means that people are, you know, have the time and the space between episodes or between chapter updates to actually speak about it. And it's something that we currently get with all of this 20 episodes of a new TV show just being dumped onto Netflix. It's really hard to create a fandom around that as well, because you don't have the space to decompress between episodes and people are binging it in their own time rather than everyone's watching it on a Friday at 8 o'clock.
2: You don't create a zeitgeist in the same way. Yeah.
3: And you don't have that time when everyone's speaking about it on Twitter because the new episode of Game Mm -hmm. of Thrones has just finished and now we're all on Twitter seeing what people think. Right. You don't do the same thing with something that's just been dumped on Netflix. Yeah. Because you watch it whenever you watch it. Yeah, that's a
0: whole thing, yeah.
3: Thick kind of works the same way is that you know, big bangs are amazing, but to me, they're incredibly intimidating in regards to oh my god, that's so much thick that's come out all at the same time, and I should read it all at the same time. <laughs> but also, because you've got 10, 20, 50 fics posted at the same time, people are going to be talking about different ones and people are going to be reading different yeah. ones, and they're not doing it at the same time. Whereas, yeah, something that's weekly updated. You can get it trending on Twitter because the entire fandom is talking about it.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I think absolutely. it's maybe
2: also worth mentioning that if you do get something that's like 6,000 words and is on a rec list, I would have said nine times out of ten, it's a one-shot written by a big-name author who's famous for having written something longer. Yeah. And it would be something <laughs> mm. like, you know, this person is really famous for this, like, 90,000-word thing, thing that they wrote. They also wrote this one-shot, which is really, really awesome. You should yeah. read that too. yeah. Can anyone yeah,
0: think, think of a Merlin example of a fandom classic that say, okay, let's say 10K and under. Let's like give mm. a 10K as like a bare minimum. Um, or maximum, sorry.
1: I can't. No, I was about to say Coffee Shop Muffins, but that's 15K. Yeah,
3: Yeah, I mean, literally Coffee Shop Muffins is the one thing that comes to my mind. I like, okay, it, I mean, I sort... would
0: still count that as short. So, yeah, we yeah. can say that, okay, fine. But that's, yeah, that's the only one we can think of. Um, I mean, how long is Pairing for Dragon, actually? That's uh it's like an hour and a half long isn't it <laughs> i think it's i think it's around
2: 10 because like it's not it's not epic like it's not epically long it's amazing
0: it's, it's not the mean it's, like, uh, it's on the yeah it's on the king so i don't it's know two, it's actually two and a
1: half hours long which means oh, it's shit, around 25k okay.
0: Yeah, I thought. Well, I love how we know now what the words. Listen, if Lunchy's recording it, she can stretch out those <laughs> it's, words. It's uh, roughly up. it's it's roughly
1: eight thousand words to an hour. That's that's a okay. rough estimate. It's sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, depending on what any given pod figure's uh, reading speed is, or if they put in a lot of music or stuff. But roughly eight K mm-hmm. is an hour.
0: But that's still, yeah, that's still kind of, you know, well below 100K. But I would say that it is very difficult. The only time I will say that this can be an exception is if you have a Reckless for people just looking for PWP. And then you'll obviously have a lot of yeah, stuff that's taken under. And then you'll have a lot of fandom classics that I think you can find in a Reckless like that. So that's yeah. Yeah, the only place you would, yeah, be able to find stuff. that, But then that's not really plotty. So you can get, like, so you have a lot of word count to play with to make something really impactful when you don't have to worry about plot. Yeah. So I guess that's a whole different ballgame altogether. But, um, mm. yeah, that would be the only place I could think of where you would find Fandom Cloud. But then again, I can't – again, I'm, I'm really bad at remembering titles in general, and Merlin has just been in my life for so long that I'm not good at remembering, like, even titles of PWPs. Like, I mean, Alex would be better at this than me. So I think those, like, those kind of reckless, you'll definitely find a lot of 10K and under. I mean, listen yeah. – you ever want to send me a PWP Reckless that has 10k and over? I'm your best friend, because I would be very, very happy about that. 20, 25k of of coffee mm-hmm. is not a- mm-hmm. better. Speaking of something that has a lot of coffee in it and is also epically long, Falconry. So, I was going to mention Falconry as an epic series, because... It absolutely is. I have not finished it. I'm on the second installment of the uh, of the series, but it is angst and it's magic reveal and it's getting together and it's keeping a relationship going through the trials of medieval times (laughs) and war. And it's fantastic. Has any present company read any of Falconry?
3: I've literally never even heard of it. I, when you first brought it up, I've opened it on my phone just so I can have a look at it once we're done recording this. Literally never even heard of it. Yeah,
0: no, oh me. It's one of the, ang- like, okay, so according to Diane, it's like one of the angstiest things that she's ever read. Oh, I've I've not gotten to the angsty part yet, but I love the dynamic between them in this fic. It's exactly the kind of murtha that I want in my fanfiction, And so when I first read it, I tried reading it years ago, and I feel like I got like quite a, a long way in but maybe it wasn't finished at the time or something happened and came up hmm. and now i kind of but now i'm probably gonna have to start again from the beginning because i lost my tab on my ipad and i was trying to keep it open and i just deleted them all and now i'm like i don't know what chapter i was on. <laughs> but this, this yeah. is falconry Diversified. Right? yes yeah yeah, 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 yeah okay cool Biversify. I was on I was on Bird of a Gauntlet for anyone that's listening and and uh, and and knows um, this uh, this series, but it's really really good. And now I feel like I need Diane here as well, so she can back me up on my falconry like fan like mm-hmm. geekiness. But it's really good so far. And um, yeah, I mean you you have it in front of you. Give me a, a word count for the uh, for the series, Michelle. The highest...
3: um, for the whole series is five
0: hundred and seventy-seven thousand. There you go. Yeah. So it's i mean Many i feel words. like we can count like again i mean maybe this is something we should c- cover because for me falconry definitely like it comes prepackaged as yeah. a series like i wouldn't feel comfortable being like oh go read bird of a gauntlet because like you can't just read one fic no. and then that's yeah. it like you can't it's... Like, like it's like saying oh go read harry potter one and then just be done yeah i
1: mean it's yeah. it's interesting cool. to look at falconry because the first part is only 11k and the second, is, I was
0: literally about to say that it's terrible. Yeah, the
1: first part is 11k, and you go in like, oh, 11k, that's not too much. And then the second part is 20, almost 29k, and you're like, okay, that's a little more, and I can still read that. And then you get to *Bird of Gauntlet, and that's 183,000,
0: seven
1: hundred thirteen words, and you you slog through that. I say slog because I don't know any better, but like you you get through you get yeah. through that massive word count, and then you're like. Okay. The next part is probably going to be some, some cute little piece to, to round it all up. (laughs) But no, a bird of paradise is 354,326 words long. So with every, it's, it's just, it's get, it gets exponentially longer with every part. It's like Harry It's like, it is.
0: And if any and if any falconry reader I've spoken to can be trusted, and I and I trust Diane particularly, <laughs> it gets it, it's so worth it. And like she actually had to kind of like bully her friend who writes because I think she knows versus well. She's like, I will drive to your house because <laughs> I know. I know where you live, and I know how you're planning to finish this. You need to put this out into the world. And I think it's finished now. So, again, yeah. knowing me, I'm going to have to reread parts one and two, which, like you said, they're about 30K altogether-ish, and then start again. But I feel like I got partway through Bird of gone as well. I just... I I don't know what happened. I think I got just scared off that like angst was coming, Probably. and I just didn't. Diane scared you. Yeah. She shouldn't have done that. because yeah, well, that's why I, I hate know, spoilers, but... even vague ones. No, but it ones. wasn't. No, 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 no. <laughs> I knew, I knew it was gonna. No, I already knew that this was spoil. But like she kind of was like, oh. But I I think what it was was that I I needed the time to really kind of grieve through the pain to get to the other side of the angst. Which I hope there's another side to the angst. I hope it's not just angst and that's <laughs> it. But I was so wrapped up in like. My 30,000 plus words of like them getting together and them drinking so much coffee and then being Murthy and then just like being like fresh in the like kind of re- relationship and being super protective of one another and just like Arthur being really protective and Arthur being like the kind of Arthur I like in Fic. And I was like, this is so good. And then I forgot that there was angst coming. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I love angst, but I need to be ready for it. Like I need to prepare myself for it. This is the thing. Once. Once I'm have read or experienced angst like the first time through where I don't know what's properly coming, it's really painful for me to like sit through it. But then once it's kind of over, I kind of can look back and then really like, revel in the pain properly and so that's why now I can look back on the Merlin finale and I can vid it and make it really really sad and make everyone cry and then watch them cry and really enjoy myself (laughs) (laughs) because it's like I've kind of lived through it, but on the day, like, I remember, I I remember the day I watched it, and I remember crying so much, I thought I was going to vomit, and it was just, like, so painful, because I didn't know how painful it could possibly be, but once you've lived through it once, you can look back, and then you can kind of enjoy the tragedy, if that makes sense, but it's the unexpected, I think, that's the scariest, it's not the act. And it was Christmas, yeah and I'm Polish so it was literally my Christmas yeah no same Swiss it was literally Christmas yeah it was it was really really difficult and I feel like that's what it's gonna be like for falconry but yeah I needed to mention it in epic fix because it's definitely epic and like even the parts I got up to there's like wars happening and infiltration and merlin's infiltrating some castle and arthur doesn't know where he is and he thinks he's dead and then merlin comes back out and arthur literally like pins him against a wall and like screams in his face because he's like you promised me that you'd always stay alive and i'm like this is <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's just like it's it's epic it's the depth like one character yelling at another how much they hate them because they almost died and left them alone that's the definition of epic um, but let- Okay, I guess let's talk about a fic that I imagine most people here have read that I think is still pretty epic. I guess we can talk about, like, the cycle of the year? Yeah, sure. Yeah? Mm-hmm. It's Reddit, right? And then
1: seasons? Like the cycle of the uh, year like... We Begin Again by Catherine from Philly.
3: Oh, yes, yes, yes. Sorry, let me just very quickly look that up and remind myself. Definitely It's read the it. one where right. where
1: Merlin mm-hmm. has rebuilt the Tower of Camelot um near the lake and Arthur comes back one day and Arthur at first only speaks Britonic and merlin Oh yeah yeah with like a weird tra- time travel
3: el- element Yeah I think I thought it's... there was a time travel thing in
0: that Um yeah yeah at the very end I think right yeah. they have like a thing where they get stuck in the lake and it's been two years later or something or a year later Something like that Yeah
3: it's it's been it's been like a decade <laughs>
0: Um, but this is essentially. I I actually read this fairly recently. I read this in like the last kind of six to eight months. Uh, no. And I kind I it's, it's been longer than that.
1: Has you it been you read that before you got into last into year. anime. I or mean, maybe. you you read it after you saw Yuri on Ice, but definitely before you did any other anime.
0: Yeah, I think I read it on a sick yeah. day. Which was like last, yeah. So it was my sick day last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was, so that was like okay. So it was like about mm-hmm. a year, like a year ago. But um, I need to reread it soon because honestly, I can't believe how long it took me to read this book. <laughs> I need Alex to reread telling- it soon,
1: but don't touch. The- <laughs> there are no gays in football.
0: I can, I can reread.
1: I can. <laughs> Alex, how dare you attack? Me <laughs> She'll reread 200k <laughs> for like the cycling of the year. We begin again, part one. She'll probably reread the sequel <laughs> as well, but don't you dare think that she will touch Falconry or their own no gays in football or literally any other story that's longer than twenty five K.
0: If you guys could see me right now, I've got my hood over my head and I'm crouched like into oh. myself from the from the pain of the attack that I just oh. had. I'm only <laughs> telling the truth. It's so true. No, it's so true, and that's why I hate but It's like that scene in Friends where chandra is kind of like, "You could have said Gum would be fine. Gum would be great, but no, Gum would be perfection." And then he turns around, and he goes. I loathe myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically how I feel. Alex has to be the like devil on my shoulder going, don't fucking reread Pairing Dragon Merlin yet again.
3: I'm sorry, always reread Pairing Dragon Merlin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Always. As, as default,
0: yeah. Okay, hang on. Let me try and get back to what I was talking yeah. about. Right, like the cycle of the year. It's also extremely cute, but also this is what I'm saying. This is another one of those that's got the tropiness that I love and the tension building and how Arthur comes back and Merlin doesn't, like, realize that he's been making up a, like, amazing version of Arthur in his head and the Arthur that's come back is actually a bit of a twat and Merlin forgot and he still kind of like has the Arthur in his head that he remembers and they're both living like simultaneously there for a while and then he kind of remembers why he loved the really horrible Arthur and then there's misunderstanding and then there's Arthur learning about like modern day sexuality and Arthur just learning about himself in general and becoming a member of modern society and then there's kissing in the rain and (laughs) yeah <laughs> and I'm just all over it. Someone give actual coherent thoughts on this fic, please, because I'm clearly incapable of being a good host today.
3: I don't know. I think that was a pretty solid summary. I mean, certainly <laughs> makes me want to go and reread it. <laughs>
0: I'm very very happy about
3: this. <laughs> I was Like, there's all of the bits that you want to have an effect. Go, read it. Yeah,
0: I know that Alex said that he thought that the that he wanted them to ha- draw out the getting together even longer. Yeah, I mean that's that's because
1: I... I always want them to draw out the getting together even longer. <laughs> that's that's just who I yeah. am as a person. If they get together at the very end, after going through trials and tribulations for 200k that's about the perfect time for them to get together. <laughs> like, established about. relationship, I'm just like, fuck that shit, I am not about that. I just, <laughs> I want the pining, I want the burn, I want the angst about it, I want them constantly thinking, oh no, he doesn't love me, and both of them thinking that, oh no, he doesn't love me back, I, I'm the only one who's in love here, I should protect myself, and, and not play along, and, <laughs>
0: That's what I want. (laughs) Yeah, I love that, too. I will say, though, and I don't think this necessarily applies to Cycle, but I think that what I really love about long fix sometimes is when they have a really good slow burn, but they get together about half to, let's say, 60% of the way through the thick. I always kind of look at the last 40 to 50 percent and I go,
2: hmm,
0: I wonder wonder what you've got in store for me. And I always know what they've got in store for me, but I always wonder if it will be something different. And this is exactly what's going to happen. Okay, you've got the characters that are pining after one another, and then they get together, and then they have, like, I'd say roughly between, like, 10 to 15k of really good coffee, where everything's just, like, really new and exciting, and we're so excited to be together and that we like (laughs) each other back, and it's just really good. But unfortunately, the fic doesn't realize I've read other fics before. And I am looking at my watch. <laughs> and I'm going. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. Ah, just about time for the misunderstanding the arc. The misunderstanding. <laughs> the misunderstanding arc, where all of a sudden being a, being in a relationship is different to how I imagined. And hang on a minute. I didn't realize that you had this quirk, even though we've been friends for the past 15 years. What do you mean? And I think we're going to have a massive argument right now and storm out, and then we'll come back stronger than ever before because we've gotten through this really difficult stage. And that always comes about 15K after the getting together. And I literally look at my watch and I'm like, yep, yeah, there it comes. <laughs> Big sign. I don't think it happens in Cycle. I don't think they have the misunderstanding arc because they're constantly fighting anyway. So it doesn't mm. really, it doesn't really count. But um, yeah, or maybe, I don't know, maybe they do have a bit of a thing where, I, no, I don't, I I don't think they do. I think they're just, that they're just happy to be together. Oh no, there's the whole thing about Arthur going near the lake and them not knowing if he is ever going to die again and like what his purpose is for coming back. But that's kind of like not, it's not really like a miscommunication arc, but um. Yeah, uh, miscommunication. I feel. I mean, let's just kind of take a take a hot second to talk about that because I feel like that's a trope in epic fic for sure. It's not something you can really get away with in something that's relatively one shotty because, well, you know, you don't have much time to resolve it. Well, I think it's the thing people introduce when they haven't got a particularly like
2: plot motivated fic to add drama and increase word count because you cannot actually just to 100,000 words of people being blissfully happy you can't do it it's going to get boring for everybody really 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 fast it's also it feels really like uneventful it's like what's the point so I think it's like misunderstanding is the thing that people introduce when they're like something now has to happen I have to break them up for a little bit or I have to have an argument between these Mm -hmm. people in order to actually have a a twist in the story in order to have that middle bit of the story that you need to have a beginning middle and end which isn't something you really need in a one shot yeah so I think misunderstanding is the sort of not to be really horrible but it's the sort of cheap way of doing that like without introducing any actual well-founded conflict it's a way of just sort of going oh it was all a terrible misunderstanding nobody was really in the wrong because our information was just all
0: crossed you know yeah I, this is my kind of feeling about misunderstanding. I don't mind misunderstanding if it makes sense for the characters and if it just makes sense in general. Like, misunderstandings happen in real life. And when I talk about misunderstanding, I mean things like, you know, if you're in the beginning stages of a relationship, and that's why I don't mind it so much when it happens, and I know I just kind of made a joke out of it, but it is true. If you're in the beginning stages, stages of a friendship or a relationship and everything is brand new and you're just really happy to be in that person's company. And especially if you're in sexual romantic relationship and like, everything is just fueled by hormones. Like you're not going to really be noticing everything because everything is just really, really new. And even if you were friends hmm. for your dynamic does just change when it's romance involves it, you know, of course it does. Otherwise you, you know, it's not exactly the same as friends. Otherwise you would just stay friends. Like that is kind of the point. Like, you know, your relationship morphs into something slightly different and you notice different things and different things become important. And I completely think it's valid that characters as people in real life after a kind of, you know, the period of really good coffee has kind of settled down a bit. You're kind of like, Oh, hang on a minute. Like, no, like I'm, I really don't like that. And then you don't know how to communicate your displeasure because when you were just friends or when you were, or like if or or if you were strangers before you don't have the tools to know how to do that and so mm. yeah there will be slam doors and there will be this on the other hand there's the other kind of miscommunication where things uh have been patched up and you thought they were patched up for good and then it's not until later that you actually realize through, through the narrative and this of course happens in real life too that oh my god nothing was actually resolved it was all yeah just patched up and um i'm you know i'm just gonna very quickly mention glee put it in on the bingo square but they did this in glee where um there were two breakups of one of the otps and uh, the first breakup happened because of like issues in their relationship blah, 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 and there was cheating involved and then they got back together and they got engaged and then uh in the hiatus between season five and six they had a second breakup and everyone was like oh my god what the hell and then actually looking back in hindsight fans started to realize oh my god no what we thought was actually like fixed when they got engaged and when everything good was going on, none of it was really resolved. Like none of it was properly resolved. And I think that kind of miscommunication is very, very smart because it's very real. I'm trying to think of an example of bad miscommunication. I, I think I'm going to have to defer to you guys on I mean, this because I can't think of a good it's example. It's just honestly, you can, I, I can't think of an example off the top of my head,
1: but you can tell, when a story adds a miscommunication just for the sake of having more drama and Mm. dragging out the story for a longer work count. You can just tell, honestly.
3: Yeah, it's like, I couldn't tell you like a specific thing that does it or a specific scenario, but I think it's just every time when literally I sit there reading it and I just want to shake them both because all it takes is two words. I'm sorry. if, If that's how easy it is to fix this miscommunication, then it is miscommunication that is just added for word count reasons, for plot reasons, for fake inventing plot reasons.
2: But it's that kind of, you know, it sounds really like generic and obvious, but it's the same as anything else in writing. Like it's absolutely fine and it's great and it can be really interesting if it comes from a place of like character motivation Mm. and is consistent with a relationship you've had before and it feels like organic and natural to where you are in the relationship, even if it's not like what you want but if it comes out of nowhere and is forcing people to behave in an uncharacteristic way or forget information that they previously knew or forget they trusted people that they previously trusted, mm-hmm. then it's bollocks. You know, it's like it's sort of as simple as that. But that's kind of the same thing in any storytelling ever. It's like it's fine if it's consistent and it's sort of not if it's not you know, yeah that's exactly, the way it is.
1: exactly and you can say bollocks because we're on <laughs> you,
2: you, you yeah. can't. you can even say
1: stronger words if you like <laughs> ooh, ooh. I hope you guys aren't offended by us swearing all the fucking time no. but...
3: I know we literally have to stop <laughs> ourselves from swearing, it's not that we don't swear
0: It's that, you, yeah, you're just
1: used to not swearing some on reason pos- made the foolish mistake Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you're just used to not swearing on podcasts.
0: Are there any other um, epic fics that you guys want to touch upon to draw attention to particular tropes? Like, I drew attention to, like, tension building, or like, world building, and lore, and stuff like that. Is there anything that comes to mind that you want to talk about?
2: I feel like Loaded March should be mentioned by Footnose, which I think is still the longest fic in Merlin fandom. It's the
1: longest if if we're going by um, like
0: The the length of
1: the series without the extras. I have it open on AO3. Um, All the parts, not the extras, are (coughs) 1,261,720 words. It has 16 works in the series. And I just checked, there are only four that are over 100,000 words long out of those. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's it's the same kind of... uh thing as uh, uh, falconry in that it's a whole bunch of individual stories that are very, very much late. So it's yeah. kind of an epic series rather than a single epic fic. But I think it's a really good example of something that is so one hundred percent plot focused that it does carry that many words and it needs that many words in order to like explain the all, epic all, insanity yeah. although that is the storyline. I, I haven't
1: I haven't read it. I've listened to the part fix for the first two parts and I never Mm -hmm. got around to listening to the podfigs for the next, like, I think four parts are out in podfig now. Um, Yeah. And I have a friend who is um, not really in the Merlin fandom anymore but she still reads Merlin Fig occasionally and she was, she keeps telling me and I honestly, I do trust her judgment when it comes to these things. She's like Loaded March could have used like, Lot of March could have been done in, like, half the word count, because there's a lot of stuff in there that doesn't need to be in there. I don't know if that's true, because I haven't read it, but I, mean, I can believe I that. It,
2: yeah, I mean, I think, like, it, it undoubtedly could be edited down, like, nobody needs a million words, but I do think that it is, it comes by its, like, at least partially, it comes by its length, honestly. Yeah. Like, it is a really yeah, I mean, involved plot. Honestly, it's really even if it were
1: half as long, it would still be 600,000 words long. <laughs> right, you know? exactly. So I'm, exactly. I'm not saying it wouldn't still be epically long. I'm <laughs> just saying.
2: Right. And, like, there is stuff that could definitely be cut out, but I think there's, it's, just, it's just such a complicated plot, and I think it's a really interestingly drawn plot. I don't think it's perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But I think it's a really interestingly drawn plot arc that does carry from the beginning of the first like episode in, in Radio Man all the way to the end. And it is telling one story with a whole bunch of different elements and aspects. And I think um, Footloose does something really clever, which is that um, they keep moving the location and setting so that you get a whole bunch of new parameters to deal with every few hundred words. So they start off at, you know, sort of base camp and then they move somewhere else. And then they're in, there's a bit in a city and then there's a bit somewhere else. So you, there's never a point where it becomes completely routine. I genuinely have no idea what was going to happen. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that's really impressive just to continue something for that long and sort of go, I have no idea where this is going or how this is going to mm. end. And I think the relationships in there are really impressive. And I think it has another element, which I think is really crucial for a really good epic fic which is that the supporting characters are really strong because mm. i think it it's really difficult to sustain hundreds and hundreds of thousands of words if you've only fundamentally got one ship to two characters at the center of it that you're invested in i think it's it's really vital to have like secondary characters that you can lean on for for like time away from your primary
0: pairing you know what i mean mm. Sorry. Um, yeah, so are there any other kind of epic fic tropes that you guys want to relate back to existing epic fics? Or have we kind of covered everything, I mean, there are, there are I mean we, haven't everything, we haven't
3: covered everything, but I think we did a, a fairly solid stab at covering a lot of yeah, stuff.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And yes. this, this isn't designed to be an in-depth review of individual fix. It's just, you know, to talk about the general, like, what are these fix like in general? And I think we yeah. did a pretty good job with that. So let me give you some statistics because that's my favorite part. I just <laughs> want to reiterate that these statistics, um, are solely word count based because that's the only quantifiable way for me to do AO3 stats without having to read every single story in the Merlin fandom on AO3 so I filtered for works that have more than 99,999 words in the (laughs) Merlin TV fandom tag I did this on the 20th of January 2020 and this doesn't take The whole of series into account. So, like the whole of Loaded March with the 1,200,000 something words isn't counted as one series because AO3 doesn't allow for searches of whole series, only individual stories. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, like I said, is why Loaded March doesn't show up in these stats, even though it has over a million words. And um, even like because the uh, the stat categories are things like Top 5 in Kudos and Comments. And I'm sure that Loaded March, for example, would probably, combined, have the highest amount of Kudos and Comments in the fandom. But I can't search for that on AO3. It's just individual stories. So that, just as a general disclaimer, uh before I go into these stats. So, there are... There were 258 works in all languages that are longer, that are at least 100,000 words long, in the Merlin fandom tag. The top five by word count. Do you guys want to take a stab at how long the longest individual Merlin story is without looking it up? Eight hundred thousand. Um, yeah,
2: six maybe. 600,000?
1: Rox is in the script. You don't count.
2: I've seen yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ruth wins this round. The
1: longest individual story is 661,079 words long. It's called Boom. Broken Rose written by Toothless. Um, it's a Merlin original character story. Wow! Right. right, It only has 20 kudos which is not surprising oh. because it's a Merlin original character story. <laughs> it has zero
2: comments oh. and the author
1: has put in their notes...
2: Michelle's off the kudos <laughs> I'm adding it to the read list that, that, that's, a, that's outrageous
1: yeah. So uh, the, the author originally posted it to Fanfiction.net and finished it in 2015 and then posted it to ao 3 um, in installments starting in February 2018. It's now completely up on AO3.
0: It could be that it had more engagement on FFNet. Yeah, I would hope so. Like, I don't think that no one would have commented on it. That's just not... That's just not mm. logical. <laughs> like that, it's it? also no one would have
3: continued writing seventy chapters no, or something yeah. <laughs> with literally no feedback. Like you know, we all like to say that mm. we create art for ourselves, but like ultimately, it's just not it? Yeah, so,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> so then I um like going by the word count on Ao3, there were a, a real second and third place that I did not include in the in these stats because they are Harry Potter crossovers or fusion that, from what I could tell, are more focused on Harry Potter than Merlin, so I didn't count them. Mm -hmm. So then the the more Merlin-centric second place goes to Twisted Fate by Woodland Goddess 1, and it has 405,211 words, and it is unfinished as of the 5th of March, 2019. Which is a shame, I suppose. Which,
3: yeah, probably means it's dead.
1: So third place All I've Ever Wanted Is You by K. Smith 399,779 words also unfinished even worse than uh, Twisted Fate by Wooden Goddess because this one was started in December 2013 and last updated in April
2: 2014
0: so oh, wow. it doesn't
1: look good guys <laughs> <Okay>. sorry <laughs> In 4th place there is A Bird of Paradise by Versafile, part of the Falconry series. It has 354,326 words. And in 5th place is *Glass Glow by Shangni Sun. And I think it's in Chinese? It's 334,976 words long. But that one is finished, at least
0: yeah this looks like it is mandarin because there is no hiragana or katakana yeah. in there so that has to be uh, just yeah. chinese okay. characters yeah so,
1: there you go okay top five and kudos want to take a guess which one is the one with the most kudos student prince that's my guess i haven't actually it's, looked so I don't it know. is it is student prince of course it's student prince it has 15,367 kudos for 145,222 wow. words. And it was published on AO3 in 2010. So it has had a long time to accumulate those kudos. Mm. And second place is Unlike the Cycle of the Year, We Begin Again.
0: Aww. Who wants to guess
1: how many kudos? Just roughly. How many did you print 15,000. 15,000.
3: So, one five. 12? 12,000? Nope. Say a number,
2: Ruth.
1: Uh, 9,000. Okay, you're, you're closer, but still off. It has only 7,683 kudos.
3: Wow. Mm. wow. That is such a jump.
1: Yeah, yeah. it That's really is. It's like half. It's a lot it's newer, though. Yeah, it's, a lot, it's a lot newer. It was completed in November yeah. 2016. Yeah. Which...
0: Yeah, Yeah, that was already, yeah, that was long after the fandom had, like, not like, I don't want, I mean, obviously we're still very active, but, like, that's already long after the show finished, and Mm. Student Prince was, like, at the peak Mm. of Merlin being, like, that's just non-comparable, yeah.
3: Well, and at the peak of, you know, Prince William and what's-her-face.
0: Yeah. Kate, Middleton, yes.
3: Because it's a combination of that as well, isn't it? Of, like, the real life aspect of it as well.
0: It was just made for glory.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
3: So it's like the whole thing where the Merlin fandom was massively active during the
1: 2010 Olympics.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Like that's one of those perfect storms as well that doesn't often happen in fandom.
1: Yeah. 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 So in third place, we have A Modern Manservant by Mammalazer. And this one has not much less kudos than unlike the cycle of the year we begin again. It has seven thousand five hundred forty-four kudos, so only about a hundred forty less. Okay. But it was published on in August 2013. So it has had three years mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. Then in fourth place is Emirates Ascending, which has again over seven thousand kudos. Has 7,361 kudos to be precise. It was completed in April 2016. And in fifth place, We Are All Diamonds by Footloose with 3,975 kudos. Published in August 2012. I find it always interesting oh, to fun. add when they were like published or finished because it's, it's interesting mm-hmm. to see how much time they had to accumulate the enu- amount of like kudos or comments compared to other things. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um,
2: yeah.
1: So yeah, t- that was kudos. In comments, the whole thing looks slightly different because student prints is not in first place. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Right? In for, in <laughs> first place is a story called "Rent and Rebuild" by Peace Heather, with two thousand one hundred seventy eight comments, and it was completed in November two thousand eighteen. Wow! Yeah, it started. That's they started mad. posting in June two thousand eighteen and finished in November two thousand eighteen. So not even at that mon- that long a time, like in the grand scheme of things, of like posting something. It's had a really, a relatively short time in which it was posted as a WIP, and then it's only been a little over a year since it was finished, and it still has the most com- comments.
3: And okay. it will explain why I've literally never even heard of it. And it's like, well, yeah. yeah if, I, can, I can tell you
1: why. I wasn't reading. I can tell you why, yeah. because at least if this person tagged it correctly, it's not a shippy fic. It's a Merlin Arthur friendship fic and a Gwen and Merlin friendship fic, so it's basically Jen. Okay. It's even yeah, it still a, has
3: got that number. Yeah, of category That's gen. Insane. It's even
1: in the category gen. It's not like yeah, yeah, slash pairings or anything, which is even more impressive that it's first place. <laughs> I feel yeah. like yeah,
2: yeah, presumably a very chatty comment. Thread. Yeah, I would think so,
3: but. Like, I'm literally scanning through it now. And, like, you know, she replies to all of the comments, which obviously does make a massive difference in regards to comment counts. Yeah. But just single replies. That yeah. still means, you know, I mean, 3,500. It, ha- it has
1: 40 chapters. So. Yeah. yeah. Impressive. Yeah. Okay. S- student Prince is in second place Fear not, dear listeners okay. and guests. <laughs> Student Prince is still there. <laughs> it's in second place. It has 200, 2,142 comments. So it only has like 30 comments less than Rent and Rebuild. So there's still time for it to catch up at some point again. Let all go comment. <laughs> <now. laughs> in third place is Frayed by Paladrin. It has 1,952 comments. It was published in May 2017 and last updated in December 2019 and is currently unfinished, but there is still hope since it was last updated in December last year. So only like a month Mm -hmm. ago. So there's, you know, we can hope. Anyone who's reading it can hope. It has, it already has over 200,000 words. So going for gold. Going for gold. Then, in fourth place, we come back to Unlike the Cycle of the Year, We Begin Again with 1,948 comments. I should probably check if Freight and Cycle are still in that order, because they're very close together with, like, just four comments apart. (laughs) And finally, A Bird of Paradise with 1,564 comments. Um...
0: It will go up significantly when I'm finished because I'll be commenting every second <laughs> being like ah. So that's my that's gonna be my life one day. <laughs> Just making which, my comment count go up up, 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 up up.
3: Which does kind of go back to what we were talking about, I don't know, four hours ago now, <sighs> but that kind of you know, the weekly updating, obviously your comment count is gonna be completely different on that as well if you're updating in chapters and you're updating weekly or bi weekly exactly. as opposed to if you're big bang. Throwing out just fifty thousand yeah. words in one around, and there. I
1: think that is one of the main reasons why people prefer to like post in installments rather than all at once, because they want the yeah. they want that comment count. They want to to get up yeah. on the on the list of comments.
0: It's also one of the it, interaction, yeah, for the yeah. interaction
1: as well, I suppose.
0: It's also one of the reasons why I sort by kudos because I don't find that comment is necessarily a true mm. quality. No, it, I
1: mean it's no, totally. it's not. I mean,
0: kudos doesn't have to
1: be either. To be fair, um, because I'll re- I leave kudos on pretty much anything I open, or uh, mm. if I if Ooh. I even read it, at least half of it, I will kudos it because I'm just like you know what you put this out into the world you you deserve kudos for because that's what it is right you're just kudos is giving recognition to someone's to what someone did and i feel like okay you did something you put it out into the world i recognize your accomplishment that's
3: Hmm. i mean i won't go quite that far like if i don't get to the bottom of the thick where the kudos yeah to be fair i won't bother scrolling down but if i get all the way down i will hit the button because like yeah that's, that's you know, the minimum that I can get. Yeah.
1: But the, no, the thing for me is if I go, if I read the whole thing, then I leave also a comment because mm. I managed to read, like, I, I got stuck enough to read the whole thing. So the author deserves for me to comment. A kudos is yeah, for me yeah. if, I, if I didn't skip out after the second paragraph. If I read at least half yeah. of it, yeah. for example, or I've read a significant <laughs> amount of it, I'm like, okay, you, you kept my attention for a good chunk of time. I'll kudos you for that and if I reach at the end I will leave a comment. Fair yeah. enough. <clears throat> okay, the oldest one on the archive. The oldest really long story on the archive. Any guesses? Um, you can say it.
2: A it, it is the student prince. <laughs> it's not a dirty it's word. A... It's, fine. <laughs> it's not coffee. <laughs> It just seemed like a tr- question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it is the student print. It was uh, published on the third of June in two thousand ten on Ao3. Um, so it's it's the long it's the oldest fake with at least a hundred thousand words in the Merlin fandom on Ao3. Okay, the newest I will be looking up right this second. Looks like could be Chinese again I suppose yeah it's Chinese it's called Moonfall Empire it was written by or is being written because it's still unfinished by Alice I Clovis and then I also wanted to know how many are currently unfinished of the long fix and there are 60 60 fix that are currently unfinished
3: that's too many that's just really sad (laughs) that's just
1: an unnecessary large amount and if i well finally if i look at them if i look at them the oh yours is the one (laughs) yours is part of that box. yeah
0: well what i was about to say is i i went back to check because i've not clicked on this fic for about five (laughs) years just to check the word count and uh a WIP that will never be finished at 33 chapters and still about a third left to go. <laughs> it was 132,333 words. Yeah, I also want to say because that's how I just found this.
1: That's the one that was updated the longest ago out of these 60 whips <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is it, it is.
0: When was it last <laughs> on the 20th of
1: June 2012.
0: And that was actually sooner than it was updated because I transferred it from FFNet. <laughs> yeah, no, that was when Merlin finished. I started... No, I wrote this in, like, 2010. So, yeah, it's been updated, like, about 2011. That's really bad, isn't it? Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like at this point, I don't no, even but, remember like, how you, I was going to...
1: You did it. start posting it to a 3 in February oh. 2010. So you really did oh. update it the last time in June 2012.
0: Or well, maybe it was like a, by the way, guys, I'm never finishing. <laughs> <laughs> it's the second part it's in a serious. series. It's a warning to anyone listening. It is the second uh, fic in a series. And I actually really loved writing this fic. I just stopped. <laughs> I don't know why. I Let me check what my last chapter was. No, it was a real chapter. <laughs> I don't really know how that happened. I felt like I wasn't still writing this fic when Merlin was like nearly finished airing. That's so weird, isn't it? Like how time doesn't <laughs> quite feel real. So I, okay, my listeners, I am officially a part of the staff. <laughs> <laughs> I am... The oldest updated epic that I forgot that I might actually be relevant in this episode. <laughs> as a writer, as a writer, I might end up in this episode. I thought that this fic was like maybe fifty k. It's a hundred and thirty k unfinished. Oh apparently, dear. Apparently, I had some stuff to work through. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know <laughs> clearly. I, 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 I'm looking at the tags and it's just so me. It's romance, drama, established relationship, angst. <laughs> Literally. Classic. Yeah, I could like I didn't know how to tag then either. I can tell. Oh, no, I do have the parentheses tags for Merlin and Arthur and Lancelot and Gwen, but not for Morgana and I Leon. I mean, that's so. something. Yeah. At least you... Stop oh.
3: trying to sell it. You said you were never going to yeah, it. seriously.
0: <laughs> well, to be fair, like, I, I always like I was really happy like with the last chapter I wrote because it was like a fake marriage between Merlin and Arthur and I was like you know what if you're ever gonna kind of end a WIP without really ending it this was actually a bit of a high because the fic was meant to end really sad (laughs) I was a bit like I even had a third installment planned about their kids and I was like there's really no fucking point. No one's going to read this. But, yeah, I'm just a bit... Oh, God, I feel ashamed now. My listeners, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I am part of... I, but then again, I feel like I do mention this WIP a lot, and I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm part of the problem. I can't help it. <laughs> I can't help it. When I get back... Like, one day, if I ever try writing again, um, whether it's in Merlin fandom or otherwise, I will never write a WIP again. I promise. <laughs> You've got it on record. <laughs> yeah, no, listen, for my for my own sanity I won't ever do it because that fit kept me up at night for God knows how long. I was like, I, I need to finish it, I need to finish it. And I just kind of realized that um yeah that's 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 not meant to be. So um it sits there at a nice, comfortable thirty three chapters and 130,000 hundred and thirty thousand three hundred and thirty three. It's there's a lot of thirty three there. I know, I don't know if maybe that was like an indication of that weird platonic OT3 I had going on with Merlin Arthur Probably. and Morgana. It's it, very yeah, meta. maybe. <laughs> now that we're done with stats, we can get
1: on to wrecks if you guys want to wreck any fakes that we haven't mentioned before or want to specifically wreck something we have mentioned before in some shape or form. Now is your chance.
3: I mean, I feel like literally everyone needs to read that uh, on the in football, <laughs> and that includes you, Roxy.
0: <laughs> I <It's laughs> just, just the best. I keep letting these guests come on the edges here to harass me. <laughs> like, you need to free screen Roxy, for that. You, <laughs>
1: you invited them. You invited
2: oh. them. You did. You did. Sure. You
1: asked us, I you only asked coordinated oh, and you time didn't and scream. date and what to talk about. You invited them. <laughs> <laughs> only got
2: yourself to blame. Yeah. Yeah. And it's literally just the football that's holding you back. Like I am the least sports inclined person in the universe. I follow no sports whatsoever. I hate football. I have no time for any sporting activity at all. And it it didn't
0: bother me. It's it's yeah. brilliant. I have I have been told that even if I don't like football, then I will yeah. enjoy this fit. It, I just think. It's- if it was a sport that I actually liked, it would be that much easier to get me to read it quickly. Is what no, I'm It would not. Nah, nah, don't well. lie. No, I swear. <laughs> and maybe if, you know, the characters' names were Hinata and Kageyama, I might read it even faster. But unfortunately, well, I mean, I've done it in <laughs> words so just do a find and replace. Like, you would be surprised how many times I've done that in my teenage years when I couldn't find <laughs> my Red Arrow TV. <laughs> just like... Look at the names and imagine there's someone else and then do a quick search and replace for like the rare hair. <laughs> it's okay.
2: Oh my God. But yeah.
0: So um, I will read There Are No Gays in Football, Merlin fans, listeners. In fact, I will go and read it right after this recording. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I don't know. Yeah, believe nobody believes Yeah, nor you. do I. Yeah. <laughs> it I... didn't I...
1: happen. Yes, I... <laughs> liar, liar, no... pants on fire.
0: <laughs> there are no gays in football is definitely a fic that Roxanne needs to get on. So yes, I shall. It is on my <laughs> road Thank you for reminding me, though. I do feel like <laughs> I need to it's like constantly tweet at me, guys. Roxanne, read There Are No Gays in Football, and then I eventually. Do it, do it,
2: do it. What about you, Ruth? Um, I wanted to call out um
0: Arcane Asylum, which yes! that, as I mentioned, wow, which is so good. Arcan- brilliant. Also has a great pop fic.
2: It does also have a good pop fic. Um, and yeah, it's. It is epic in all senses of the word. Yeah. I feel, and yeah. um, isn't quite as long as some of the ones we've talked about, so it's maybe not quite as intimidating. It's only 124 odd thousand words, so not quite as like scary as some of the mm. some of the ones we've been talking about.
0: I kind of said the ones that I already love, so I'm just gonna leave it's, it at that. You said
2: the ones you know.
0: I said <laughs> the ones that I also like and know. I'm sure I've read long ones too, that I cannot recall, and therefore they still exist, but not in my memory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure <laughs> Stop exposing me. No, that's that's my whole thing
1: on this podcast. It's exposing right. you. It's just it's what I do. It's my job. Okay, so if we don't have any other recommendations or shout outs to stories then I believe this concludes this podcast, this episode, unless someone has anything else they want to get off their chest about really long stories.
0: I thought you just might get something off your chest in general because I got a lot. So no, no, no. Just
1: with regards to really long stories, everything else you need to get off your chest, you can tell me later.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we can email you in our own <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs>
1: No, I think I'm good.
0: Yeah, Yeah, me too. I think think we've had a very good discussion on
1: ethics. Amazing. In that case, why don't uh, Ruth and Michelle start and tell us where all we can find them on social media? That is if you want people following you. This is also a good opportunity for you to plug your own podcast.
2: Yes, we shall. So we are Destiny and Chicken and Merlin podcast. You can find us in all the normal places that you would expect to find a podcast, like Apple iTunes and Stitcher, etc. And if you can't find us on any of those places, we are at fascinationandfrustration.com.
1: Amazing. Do you guys want to share your personal fanish social media as yeah. well?
2: Sure thing. Um, if you want to follow me personally, I'm at Ruth Arena on Twitter. And I'm at Michelle What mis- <laughs>
3: What is my Snapchat? <laughs> <laughs> this was me yesterday. do this bit normally.
0: Um, at Michelle Misford X.
1: Okay, amazing. Rocks. Do you remember where I, all you um, are?
0: Yeah, well, that's not English. Um, yes, I am i am miss Snow fox on instagram and miss Snow fox cosplays on instagram i am also miss Snow fox with an extra x yes with an extra x on tumblr and i'm also very active on discord so i'm in the rising sun discord and in the Merlin discord of course where you can also find me if you want to friend me and chat about merlin or any other fandom that we share so yeah amazing I am momotastic27 on Tumblr
1: for all kinds of reblogs and momotastic on AO3 where you can find my fanfics, some of them even for the Merlin fandom and none of them over 100,000 words long. Our theme music was composed by Sidesteppings, exclusively for Melissa. All the other music and effects in this episode come from freesound.org. The Man of on our cover art was made by Brolin's Keep and the cover was made by me. Next time, we will have an episode review for you. We will be reviewing the ninth episode of the second season, The Lady of the Lake. And for the first time this year, it'll just be Rox and me on this episode. <laughs> Probably, yeah, unless we which... get some last minute sign
0: ups. <laughs> I think. That lonely. <laughs> oh, trust me, we've got a lot to cover. I mean, the last scene is going to take us about 45 no, minutes on it. You. Oh, you. <laughs> me. It's. Yeah. It's going to take
1: you 45
0: <laughs> it's, minutes. It's my favourite Murtha scene in all five seasons, so I'm taking the opportunity while I can <laughs> <laughs> to wow. just delve yeah. in. Until then,
1: I have been more and I've been Miss Snowfox. And our guests were Ruth and Michelle. Thank you very, very much for having us. This has been a blast. Uh, anytime you For come us back. as well. <laughs> yeah, anytime you want to come back, we'd be happy to have Yay. you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.